1989 was a turning point in political history with the wave of revolution sweeping eastern the Eastern Bloc in Europe, starting in Poland and Hungary, coming to a head with the opening of the Berlin Wall in November. It was the year of the first Brazilian presidential election that had happened in, in within, the first uh, within the past 29 years. And it was also the year that Baywatch was on TV. Yes, horror films from 1989 on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Like, oh my god, for sure. It's time for another bitchin' episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Totally. I am your VJ, Insane Mike. This is episode 163. And we will be discussing films from one of the worst years in human history. What? That's right. 1989. Why is it the worst? Because after, after that, the 80s were over. Oh, you're right. You might be right. Uh, some some might say that the 1980s was the best decade ever, and those people would be absolutely be right. <laughs> uh, but we'll be uh, we'll be looking into the end of this amazing era, 1989, a little later on. Uh, but I got a few other things I got to talk about. Ooh. Now, did you know in 1989, the first commercial internet service provider surfaced? Whoa! Yes, it's a fact. Put that in your fact book. Got it. Now that has led to now lots of porn, lots of porn. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and also the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Ooh, smooth. The the Prescribed Films Podcast Network is our very own podcast network. How many times did I say podcast network? <clears throat> That we started up just a couple months ago and has quickly turned into the most, the biggest, the most greatest popular podcast network ever created in the history of networks. Could be true. With a total of ten shows already on the network, the PFPN provides hours of podcast entertainment of all shapes and sizes. With a group of diverse shows covering many areas in pop culture, such shows as the Horrorcast, Atomic Way to Cheese, the Bloody Hook Podcast, My Bleeding Ears, the Fiasco Brothers Watch a Movie, Story by Dot 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 Podcast, Land of the Creeps, All About Movies, My Side Project, Midnight Snacks, and of course, Attack of the Killer Podcast. Whoa! So, Jason, just today. Uh huh. I listened to episode 28 of the Fiasco Brothers Watch a Movie. Me too. Did you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they talked about Peeping Tom, which was awesome. That sounded great. I, I've always wanted to see I still have not seen this movie, oh. so I was pretty excited to hear what they had to say about it. And they do a pretty good job. They do a really good job of like covering like plot summaries and, and sharing fun facts about the film yeah, they and stuff. They break it down great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The reviews are pretty informative, fun, and they're really funny guys. Um, and I like how, even if they don't really care for a film, they don't really talk down about it. So that's always nice. It always gets disheartening when you're listening to a to a podcast and and you know they're just talking smack about it. The yeah, whole Derek. Time, so. <laughs> I, 
Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you woke him. I know. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so definitely, I would yeah, highly episode. recommend checking that yeah. out. So. And my, my new episode of the Ogre Cast, my new Shrek podcast, <laughs> just dropped. Nice. I know, I know it's August, but I just dropped my Shrek Miss Christmas episode. That's really good. I can vouch for it. I listened to it earlier today. Oh man, I can't wait. I wonder if they'll. I wonder if we could get them for our network. <laughs> I hope so. Um, so you could check. Uh, you could check out Fiasco Brothers, watch a movie, and all the other shows. On the network, you can check that out at thepfpn.com. So, <laughs> I kind of really want that to be a thing. I know, right? <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> I would recording that. So, I, I have an announcement. Oh. Um, now, if you're familiar with our Patreon, uh, you may have seen um, my show. Nope. That's a Patreon bonus. Yep. Maybe no, you film it. Oh, that's right. Uh, Insane Mike's one minute top ten lists, and so I'm currently in the middle of writing new episodes, and I kind of had this idea because I would love to have more involvement um, from uh, the listeners of the show and learn more about them, um, and kind of you know have them more involved with, with the show as well, and get the to get the Patreon supporters involved. So, what I want to know is. For you Patreon supporters out there, what is your top ten favorite horror films? I would I want you to post that on our Facebook page, what your top ten favorite horror films are. And I will do an episode reading your list, uh, uh, your list of your top ten favorite horror films in a minute or less on one of the upcoming episodes of the show. So uh, the longer the title, the harder it will be for me to get it done within a minute. So I dare you... Oh I dare you. So probably the title of like the messed up zombies, blah 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 blah. Yes. Yeah, incredibly <laughs> strange creatures who yeah. stop living became mixed up zombies. Yeah, I double dog dare you to try <laughs> to uh, stump me with a list that I can't read within a minute. Now I'm not going to. It, it's just the titles. I'm not going to read like a like a novel on why you think this is a good movie or whatnot. I just want a list of your top ten favorite. Uh, um, a top ten favorite horror films. So. Also, you can send in um, how you rank the Shrek films <laughs> in order from best to worst, and I will read them in a Shrek voice. Your your choice of character. Nice. Oh yeah. Nice. I hope that happens. I, I do too. I hope all that happens. <laughs> might be the 1989 slash Shrek episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. <laughs> well, I better save the good content for the Ogrecast. That's right. <laughs> so, I was going to say, someone's going to send in a list of German movie titles. You know how long those are. Oh, Mike trying to pronounce that oh, stuff? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Good oh idea. shit. That would That's be the way to beat it. Oh, or no. Corn titles. I may be screwed here. Oh, crap. <laughs> That's my favorite. I may be screwed here. <laughs> I may be screwed here five. <laughs> so now this is just for the Patreon supporters. Um, so if you want to participate, you got to become a Patreon supporter. Go to patreon.com backslash AOTKP, become a supporter. Um, 
And if you do the tier Rock and Roll Nightmare, it's only $3 a month, and that's what gets you in Insane Mike's 1 Minute Top 10 list. But there are many other perks at various levels, um, so definitely go check it out, patreon.com backslash AOTKP. And I will be looking forward to your lists. So now if you are a first-time listener of Attack of the Killer podcast, let me clue you into what the show is all about. We are a horror movie podcast where a group of friends get together, discuss movies within a certain topic. Um, like all of us horror fans, like we usually do on Saturday nights when we should be out trying to meet girls. Uh, the conversation is free and loose and there may be spoilers, so be warned. So now, I bet you're wondering, who is this group of horror geeks that make up the Attack of the Killer podcast? Well, now it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. They say his body is like He-Man from Masters of the Universe. Very little articulation. Tad Good. <laughs> Where's my donkey? <laughs> uh, he was hoping his girlfriend was hungry for Wendy's when she said, Where's the beef? Probably not since they were in bed together. Jason Bollinger. Hey! <laughs> Always with the... Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. He finally completed his Rubik's Cube and sun- suddenly the Cenobites showed up. Derek Eulin. <laughs> that was a hell of a shock. <laughs> and lastly, our very special guest, horror author Harley Ramsey. Hello, kitties. <laughs> What's up, Harley? <laughs> hey, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Okay, so I'm tired of talking. Going to turn it over now to Tad with his segment. All right. If you are a first-time listener, welcome and shame on you for waiting so long. But our first segment is called What We Watched. And we go around the table and just discuss what we watched that was not on this week's topic. So I'm going to go ahead and start with Jason. What did you watch? Okay, well, so shoot. My first one is one I've... Mike, do you have a list for yours? Are you going to take this one? No, I actually watched something else since you were giving me shit. Well, you can have it. I have a list of eight films here, so... Well... Mike and I sat down the other day and watched it. I had to order it, and uh, just because we're big fans, and uh, it's this pretty sweet new uh, distribution company too. But uh, we watched this documentary called "To Hell and Back: The Kane Hodder Story," and let me tell you something: it's really good. It's really fucking good. Yeah, like I was, I it felt. Going into it, I was like worried, like this is gonna feel a little self-indulgent. I'm like, really, you know what? All we're gonna get, what are we gonna get out of this, you know? But uh, no, it's really good. He shares all, and I didn't realize he had oh such such darkness in his past. Yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah, a lot about bullying, a lot about his burns. He's he a lot about all. the burns. Yeah. You know, it's like. When he did when he did his book, that's the first time he ever admitted to anyone um, wh- what happened with his burns all over his body. 
and he shares the story in the uh, doc too and it's unbelievable not so much just the burns themselves but the recovery process too and the fact that he survived that and insane managed to have the life he's had since it's incredible yeah it's super awesome you can pick that up at epic-pictures.com epic pictures put it out Definitely makes me love the man even more. And I think it's like, whether you're a horror fan or not, I think it's a good doc for people you know who you know may be dealing with some pretty deep depression and whatnot. Um, you know, to learn that uh, what he went through and he got through his and then ended up with the career that he's had speaks testimony of, like, not never giving up, so... Yep, uh, I'll just try to breeze through these non-horror ones, I guess. Uh, what did you watch? What else did you watch? Well, my uh, uh, A24 kick continues. I watched, uh, or Tina and I watched the Amy documentary about Amy Winehouse. Holy shit, I didn't even fucking know any of that shit. Are you just trying to, like, make yourself super sad this week? Yeah, because then I also, we also went out and saw 8th Grade, which was actually really awesome, but... Bo Burnham's new movie. Um, I watched Please Stand By, which is this um, awesome Star Trek girl tries to write a script for Star Trek. Uh, anyways, oh yeah, um, yeah. one of the fanning girls, and it was fucking awesome. That looked kind of cool because, like, isn't she like autistic yep, or whatever? Super autistic, and then she writes a Star Trek script and tries to take it to. Mm-hmm. Hollywood or whatever to try to get it made. Mm-hmm. Her mom's played by Hereditary Mom. What the what? Hereditary Mom, oh. Six Sense Mom. What's her name? Tony Collette. Tony Collette. She's the mom in it. It's really good. I watched uh, Hulu. Just got Borg versus McEnroe. I love sports movies. I don't care what you say, Mike. But it also. Well, tennis, also, isn't a, tennis isn't a real sport. Well, sure. There's that. Unless but, it's necessary roughness or major league. It doesn't but listen. Count. You'll know Unless why you play against McEnroe. You'll, exactly. You'll also know why I'll be excited about it because guess who plays McEnroe? Shia LaBeouf. Nice. And he was great. The movie was awesome. Um, anyway, so the horror one, I would, other horror one I watched. I'll, I it's it's. <clears throat> I remember hearing some other podcasts that are going on and, and about calling each other out about being able to admit. Uh, they what? Someone will ask you, "Hey, did you see this?" And it's hard for us to be like. No, and we're like, yeah, yeah, I saw it a long time ago. You know how you always say that, which means you didn't really watch it, you know. <laughs> but so it's hard to admit things you don't, you hadn't watched. So I'm trying to come over, get over that too. And I watched Trilogy of Terror. Never seen it before. Oh, but uh, I can't remember if I found that on Prime or what. But I've never seen it. I've definitely heard y'all talk about it a lot, but it's good. It's good. It's yeah, pretty it's good. good. Um, it's so sad though that like Karen Black plays three different characters in this anthology, and the stupid and that little doll, doll steals. steals the whole movie right from underneath her. Because I don't remember anything about those first two stories. They're they're good. One of them like she's an evil twin or some mm-hmm. craziness. So she plays four. So she played four right. four characters in the movie and still gets upstaged by a little doll. I don't know about that. 
She was great. Well, she's she great. She really was great in it. She's great. <clears throat> and then uh, we finished off Glow. That was super awesome. Yes! And then, you know, the current, uh, watched episode five of Castle Rock last night. Um, so current with that, anyone else get their butts watching that yet? Mike? I, I just got renewed for season two today. Hot damn. I was on Hulu, <laughs> and I um, had it hovering uh-huh. on top of Castle Rock, but then I saw there was a new episode of the Gong Show, so I oh, watched that instead. forget it. Yeah, Mike Myers fan right here. Well, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Shrek. I you are. <laughs> Shrek connection. Anyway, a bunch of shit, but that's what I watched. Excellent, excellent. I guess, Mike, did you watch anything else? Yes, I did. I finally uh, gone around to watching Dead Shack, um, which has been on Shudder forever. And it was at last year's Panic Fest that I was kind of bummed I didn't get to see it there. Um, so basically, for those who don't know, it's a horror comedy. Dad, this dad and his girlfriend, his son and his daughter, and his son's best friend all go camping in this cabin in the woods. The kids go exploring while the dad and the girlfriend stay behind and get drunk. Um, they come across this house in the woods where this woman, played by um, Lauren Holly of all people, nice, yeah, um, where they they see her bring victims from town to feed to her undead zombie family. So and it's it's pretty cool because it takes you know takes a little bit to um, unveil exactly what's going on, and uh, I mean I bet they probably only had. It, it was pretty cool. I'm like, oh, Laura Dern's, or Laura Dern, sorry. Lauren Holly's in this, uh, you know, independent, low-budget horror comedy. But, you know, they probably only shot maybe one day with her because half the time her character is covered in body armor, so you don't know it's her anyway. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> but, uh, um, so they see this. They go back to their dad to get help, but he's too drunk to really be any help. And all of his stuff, his drunken, drunken buffoonery is hilarious. Um, so it's kind of it's up to the kids to save the day. So it's fun and funny. Has a lot of good gore in it. Um, didn't really, uh, uh, you know, break the mold, do anything new or anything. Um, you don't get a whole lot of screen time with the zombies. They when. When you when they do kind of show up, they they you know it goes by pretty fast, or they get killed off pretty quickly. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, it was definitely fun, uh, and again pretty funny. All, all the kids are smart asses to each other and to to the dad and all that. So um, I felt like I, I felt a little kind of let down um by the end it's just, something about the ending didn't sit well with me but uh but overall it was fun cool did check i've been wanting to check it out <clears throat> all right well harley did you watch anything uh there's a documentary series on netflix called dark tourist oh yeah I've oh yeah i've yeah, been watching it. some of that yeah it's some of the interesting things that people seek out that's a very big examination of humanity's morbid curiosity because it talks about uh, you know, goes all he goes all over the world he goes uh, here in America he explores vampires in Louisiana uh, the uh, what do they call it the preppers the doomsday preppers 
Uh, he he manages to get into this country in the Middle East that is probably more isolated than North Korea. We always talk about North Korea being very isolated. This place is even more isolated, run by a dictator who is apparently obsessed with breaking or setting Guinness World Records for himself. <laughs> he's got he's got the largest indoor Ferris wheel. That's a good that's a good one to hold. Yeah. And it just the whole town looks empty, but it's glistening, it's like it's glittering like Vegas, but it's just empty and there goes he he goes down to I want to say it's Colombia, somewhere in the South Americas with uh following there's like tours about Pablo Escobar that people go go on and one of his lieutenants is has he's got a YouTube channel and he kind of <laughs> got some got some show where he, he essentially is playing himself in his lieutenant role. He claims he's uh, reformed but doesn't seem like he's quite moved on. Uh, and then like the last episode um the, the journalist goes to uh, McKamey Manor. Doesn't last very long in there. So yeah, did you watch the whole series? I watched, I pretty much binged the entire series. Nice. I, I think, there's I, think only, I just watched the first one. Yeah, I think there's only, and I could be wrong, I think there's only maybe six episodes so far. Okay. So. I watched a few of them, but I kind of jump around. I jumped around. I kind of started Cherry with the picked. ones that I thought looked most interesting. Mm-hmm. The Japan one was got pretty intense there. Yeah, the Suicide Forest. That's the Suicide Forest and the Whoa. that tour in the uh, nuclear fallout. Oh yeah, area. yeah. I yeah. forgot about that. And yeah, there, that was. I was sitting there yeah. freaking out because those like uh, radiation readers. You know, the the tour guide said like point zero two is like the highest it should go. And uh, that's that. You're getting like seventeen or something. It's yeah, like, is this, like seventeen. Is this oh yeah, we're fine. We're, we're fine. We're fine. And we're like holy crap. I'm like holy crap. Turn around. Turn around. Turn around. Like, I don't think so. My teeth are glowing in the dark. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. and then I also and then I watched the two American ones where he went on that Jeffrey Dahmer tour. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, the Jeffrey um, Dahmer tour. And. uh uh, that extreme. It wasn't a haunt. I don't know what you call it's it. McCamey Manor is what it is. It's not. Yeah, it's not really a haunted house, but it's, yeah. it's some something of itself. I don't really know what to call it. Yeah, yeah. Just extreme torture for entertainment. Kind right. Of craziness. How far will your sanity stretch? Yeah. 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 I don't know. Uh, when I, I think. Did the first episode, did he, like, go on the uh, simulated where you try to cross the border? Was that the first episode? I can't remember if that was the first or the second, but yeah. Like, I watched that one, and yeah. uh, I enjoyed it, but I felt like he put himself in this situation and then acted like everything was ridiculous. He's like, well, what is this? It's like, dude, you put yourself in this position. Like, you, they didn't kidnap you. You you volunteered to do this. That was, that was my only, like, gripe with the show was that the guy sort of acted irritated the whole show, and it's like, well, yeah, no shit, man. Yeah. But it's very interesting. Like, you know, he's he's no, uh, I don't know. It, it's it's unique. I, I think I, I like a lot of the Netflix original programming, so when I'm viewing through, it's, it's something to stop and watch. All right. Well, uh, Derek, what did you watch? 
Well, uh, we've already talked about this one to pretty good extents between this episode and the oh the drive-in episode. But I started in on Castle Rock, and I absolutely yeah. love it. Um, it's it's going to teach me patience though, because I'm used yeah. to like Netflix releasing a whole season, and it's right there for you to binge. But you have to wait week to week on this, so it pisses me off a little bit. But <laughs> I'll deal. Um, but the other thing that I watched, not really horror, but kind of horrifying. It was a Netflix original called The Push. Has anybody seen this? No. Nope. No, uh-uh. no, I haven't watched it, no. It's a social experiment that this, uh, oh, this guy does over in England where he puts a person in a situation and just he sees how far he can push this man like what it. he can what he can get him to do before he'll finally say no and i'm not giving anything away here because it it says it right in the title the final thing that he tries to get him to do is push this person off the top of a building he tries to get him to commit murder mm. and oh yeah it, i remember seeing it when going through but i didn't watch it it is fantastic, and uh, there is a practical effect dead body that they use in that, that whoever, whatever the production company was behind that, uh, A+. Plus. A+. Plus. It's amazing. But yeah, I, I highly suggest this to anybody to watch. It, it'll make your skin crawl in parts. It kind of sounds like those uh, psychological or sociological experiments done back in the 50s and 60s, like the one where they 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 have the students one one set is are prisoners, the other are guards, and see uh, how that worked out. And then the the one where uh, people are asking questions to the some person that they can't see, and every time they get a question wrong, they're quote unquote electrocuting them yeah so is this is this like scripted or is it um like documentary style yeah um it's it's scripted but for everybody else everybody else in this is involved in in it except for one guy one guy doesn't know that this is all just a big setup for him well so they've got everything planned out but he has no idea that that's what's going on. He thinks he's just been invited to this uh, big benefit to uh, auction off some stuff for charity, and then shit just starts to go fucking haywire, and they just see how far he'll go to not screw up the evening. Does he do it? Don't answer know. that. Yeah. What are you doing? Does he? Does he? You'll have to watch, Jason. Okay. Jesus, try and get me to fucking ruin it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, you know, just short on time in general. So if you could spoil anything for me, just the crib notes. Right. That's, that's I what I was saying. I just, just skip to the end, man. He may or may not push him. That didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, cliffhanger. 
It, it's sort of like that. Um, no pun intended. That, yeah, yeah. When 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 that guy um, tried to, it was the evil Knievel son. Or anytime some idiot tries to walk between two buildings or ride a motorcycle, we all tune in. Not because we're like, oh, I want to see him do it. We want to see him not do it. Yeah, we want to see him fail. We yeah, wanna we want to see him fall from the top of a building. So, you know, that's Netflix wouldn't show it, but what, whatever. <laughs> What'd you watch, Ted? I watched some uh, some fantastic stuff. I rewatched a few fo- of my favorite horror movies, um, Poltergeist. I'm Ooh. going back. I'm going back through and watching films that are featured at this year's Halloween Horror Nights. They just announced Poltergeist, so I oh. went back and revisited that. Um, still holds up just as great as ever. I usually, I probably watch it. Oh, once every, not every year, but close. I try to watch it probably every October. Um, love that movie. And I rewatched Don't Breathe because that was on cool. Stars, I think, in the middle yeah, of the night. That was a good yeah, one. Yeah, flipping through. And I hadn't seen it since the theaters. And, man, that one's still good. Good. I think, good. Uh, yeah, I still really enjoyed it. And I, I was a little afraid that it wouldn't hold up to rewatches because it's one of those movies that once you know the sort of twist and premise that it might not be as good to second watch, but it, you know, for, for being on TV at 2 a.m., it kept me awake, so that's a good sign. <laughs> and then the other movie that I watched that I'd like to talk about is Summer of 84. God damn it. I, uh, <laughs> Just, you can't wait for the rest of us, can you? <laughs> I'm not going to spoil anything or talk about it because it just came oh. out in theaters this week, but, um, man, was it cool. Like, we... We're playing it here at the Capitol on the 24th, Friday, the 20, Friday, August 24th, and Sunday, August 26th as part of the late night tour. They're taking it out and sort of touring it um, in different cities, and we, we got the movie. So, um, of course, I had a preview to make sure it played correctly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so um, <laughs> me and... Uh, me and my wife and, and Kara, who all volunteer at the theater, we sort of gathered late night, about 10 o'clock on Saturday night, and watched it. And I don't know if being in an empty theater, you know, it's closed down without lights, ad- probably doesn't doesn't um, hurt, you know, the atmosphere. But it's this is definitely not a straight-up horror movie. It has, you know, the... All, it has the serial killers and the, you know, the dark and, and spooky stuff, but it's more of a... I don't know. It's it's sort of Hitchcockian in a way, um, and I was really impressed. I, I feel like they're sort of um, getting getting skewed because everybody's comparing it to Stranger Things, and they wrote this script three or four years before Stranger Things hit Netflix, which is funny. They they wrote this movie, and it's obviously set in the summer of '84. But they wrote this movie, and of course, the popularity of Stranger Things and it um, sort of sort of helped help them, uh, you know, jumpstart this movie, helped them get it made. So, uh, yeah, it it was it's you know I, I keep hearing people refer to this genre as kids on bikes, the, the kids yeah. on bikes. But uh, there's not a whole lot of that. Obviously, in the 80s, that, that was like... It still is. It should be a mode of transportation for kids. Yeah. But uh, this one, man, I was really surprised by it. The score is freaking awesome. If you've ever seen um, yeah. Turbo Kid... If you've ever seen Turbo Kid, 
and you like that score, this score is, stands out on its own. It's not the typical um, synthesizer John Carpenter ripoff. It's its own thing. I loved it. Um, these kids all have a little bit of experience, uh, but they're really good. And speaking of Glow, one of the actors from Glow is in this movie. I won't reveal who or what he plays because oh. it's sort of... Oh, I know who it is. Yeah. That narrows it down. He was also on the show Mad Men. Yeah. Yeah, he's really good in this. Um, yeah, I remember seeing him. There's... Yeah, it's just... I don't... I'm trying not to be uh, very coy about everything because I don't want to accidentally spoil anything. But the premise is pretty simple. Um... And we've seen it in, you know, The Burbs. We've seen it in Fright Night. We've seen it in several movies where a group of, you know, uh, several kids go missing in a small town in the summer. And these kids are sort of playing the Hardy Boys and they're trying to figure out who did it. And they all have their suspicions. Um, but it gets it gets pretty freaky. And like I said, I highly suggest this. It's, it's not overly... What I really liked about it was that it's not overly stylized 80s. I've seen even oh, some gripe. Yeah, people sort of. I've seen some people griping like, "Oh, their outfits are more '90s." It's like, no, it's just not as much in your face '80s as Stranger Things. Like, these kids dress like what '80s kids really dress like, not like um, someone who's going to an '80s themed party. Okay. It's very much. It, it's more set in reality, which I really appreciated. It's. It doesn't make the the '80s aren't a separate character in this. Like I feel like they are in Stranger Things. Yeah. It's just the backdrop for it. Um, it, it's almost you don't notice it unless you know you're you're looking for it, but I highly suggest this movie. It's a whole bunch of fun, and had me on the edge of my seat several times, making me nervous. I, it's not necessarily scared, just played with my anxiety. So, uh, and what's the tagline? Like every serial killer lives next door to somebody. Exactly. Some, something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's exactly the tagline, which is, uh, you know a play on that uh because yeah i mean it's the 80s so kids when they went missing were on milk cartons um you know it's just uh, it's just it's a whole bunch of fun uh another film by rkss the uh canadian trio that directed turbo kid i don't know how they do it but um it'd be I, i'm more I'm, I'm also interested in seeing like a making of featurette to see how they handle like a trio of directors but oh yeah so yeah, go check it out if you uh, are in the area. If you're in Iowa, I know it's it played in Des Moines maybe this week, and then I think we're the only other Iowa theater getting it. So Des Moines and Burlington. I'm surprised they didn't get it film scene in Iowa City yet, but I'm sure they'll they'll get around to it. But yeah. if you're not in the area, it will be on VOD here. I think next week or the week after. But go see it in a the theater if you can. Well, I'll definitely wander down here and come see it. Yeah, it plays at 9 p.m. because they are doing, they're only um, allowing late night showings. Like, how late are we? What time? It, it plays at 9. So, oh, okay. Yeah. That was the earliest they'd let us schedule it, and I knew uh, getting Burlington people out past that clock, past 9 o'clock would be tough. So Yeah, this town shuts down about 6. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> awesome. Can I ask you a score question really quick? Yeah. How do you feel about listening to a score before you see the movie? I don't like it. Okay, me either. But you mentioning how the score was so good, it made me want to go get it right now. <laughs> well, I was—I actually looked. I looked up on Spotify and I searched around for it, and it's not available anywhere. Mondo's putting out the vinyl uh -huh. this week, but just like Turbo Kid, um, 
when these little indie films come out, like they just don't put the soundtracks out for free. You have to, you know, find them. I, I know there's ways to find them for free, but right. um, the, the even the the vinyl that Mondo, I think they're working with. Um, who they work with? Death Waltz Records, I think. Uh-huh. They're the, the poster uh, or the cover art for the vinyl is really cool. It's like the the lead kid looking through some blinds with binoculars. Awesome. And yeah, so yeah, this is definitely like '80s walkie-talkies, uh, Hardy Boys, like. I've seen it compared to the Burbs, which is probably the best comparison, I'd say. But it's a lot of fun. I remember the day that the trailer came out, man. I've been pumped. Yeah, I, 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 that's why, like I said, I think it sort of helps it and hurts it. I think a lot of people might go see it because they like Stranger Things, but um, it's, it's, it's unfair to compare it to that because it's so completely different. These kids are older. These kid, this mo- This is much more... Um, these kids are... Man, they're they're real. They talk about um, some. They talk about sex. They talk about uh, their sex life. They talk about what they do to their the girls at school. It's it, you know, it's not Stranger Things. Let's just say that. So are these like middle school, early high yeah, school? Yeah, like middle schoolers going into high school. Monster Squaddy. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So that's what I watched. Awesome. And that's our segment. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Ted. That was uh, very awesome. So, now, it's time to talk about, speaking of the 80s, 1989. The last great year. Yeah, before the world went to shit. <laughs> um, yes, no more Aquanet. Oh. No more parachute pants. They just disappeared overnight, right at the uh, New Year's Eve. I believe, I believe Mike's been tracking the hair part because he's got a thing for. I still have hair. a thing for still for big hair. I do. It's, it's sad, really. I'm glad it hasn't really come back. That's for the best. Oh, yet when I see women my age that are still doing the eighties hair, that that's. That's not that's a turn off because yeah. that's just sad. That's just sad. That's like okay, you obviously peaked at one point and now you're stuck. You haven't gotten past that, so <clears throat> okay. So, so yeah, rude. <laughs> <laughs> nice Spuds McKenzie. Good job. Oh yeah, no oh. more Spuds McKenzie. Oh, no. oh such a bygone when era. Do you, when do you think Spuds died? When do I think Spuds died? Yeah. Um. Like when did the dog like actually? When, when we got the fake spuds. Night, night, uh, like New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty nine. Before <laughs> so the they, ball dropped on just, the earth. You said they had fake fake spuds, like fake Gallagher. I thought there were other spuds that came in later. Pretty sure. Probably. This, I started thinking about this, and I earlier today when I was writing up my notes for the show, and like just. As far as cultural impact of what the '80s had, can you know? I I, I often wonder if we don't even fully grasp, be you know, you and me especially being kids from the '80s, how <laughs> much of an impact it has had on our culture to this day. And I think about TV commercials. We're sitting here talking about Spuds McKenzie all these years later. Where is the beef? Um, yeah, where's the beef? <laughs> You know, these are things that came from television commercials that are still recognized today. California Raisins. Remember the California Raisins? It's all Raisins? memes now, right. so just... 
Yeah, but like, there's that, still commercials that that hold the test of time now. You think? We've got flow. We've got chaos. Ooh, flow. Flow is good. Flow is good. But is she gonna stand the test of time? Like, um, the Geico Gecko. The Geico Gecko, sure. And I was gonna bring up how much cultural madness was there about the Geico cavemen. And they had their own TV show, man. They had their own TV show, and you think that you, you think you're going to see that on a retro T-shirt twenty years from now? Yeah, hipsters are going to be wearing that shit. Lots of hipsters will be. Anyway, uh, I just I don't know. Got a little sidetracked. Anyways, back to 1989. The year was 1989, and four movies came out in that year, and we're going to talk about them. Four. Well, there's more than four. Uh, so, Tad, why don't you start us off? What movie uh, from the list would you like to talk about first? All right, I'll go ahead. Um, I will go ahead and pick Wes Craven's Shocker. Hell yes. Because uh, this was probably... I don't, I, I'm going to go with um, what Jason said earlier when he's talking about Trilogy of Terror. I've never seen Shocker Whoa. until... Whoa, oh, hey, yeah, this interesting. Was, this is also my first time. Hey, I'm proud of you guys for admitting it. I'm proud oh, of you. I, I, I think After less I, of you now, but I, I'm <laughs> proud of you. I'd seen the the ad the parts of it on the the, the Mummy 1999 VHS had uh, like a commercial for like the Thriller collection, and bits and pieces of Shocker were on that. Uh, that was my first kind of so uh, it makes intro to it. So yeah, it makes me now suddenly get scared and wonder. Like we have nostalgia going for us. This is your first time. How what? How was it? Well, I'll, I'll basically uh, summarize the movie while looking here on the IMDb page. Um, yep. <laughs> Horace Pinker, which I, I'm not actually reading. I think that's the greatest yeah. serial killer name ever. Yeah, oh, yeah. Awesome. Horace Pinker. He, uh, he, he's, he sort of gets, he gets caught, he gets sent to electric chair, and then shit goes off the rails because he starts moving body to body, uh, using electricity killing people it's like two movies in one because you have just a straight up killer movie until he goes to electric chair and then it goes bonkers um i've i've heard different things about this movie over the years from it being west craven's most underrated to um the biggest piece of shit of the 80s (laughs) (laughs) and it falls somewhere in between there i would not call it west craven's best obviously i think that's uh no way no way but Man, if you don't, if you can't sit here and enjoy this and smile while watching Shocker, then you have, you know, you're, you're just, I don't know, too uptight or something. This, this has stupid heavy metal, a bald killer that limps, that gets, you know, that transfers bodies through electricity. There's a lot to love here, and the limp transfers with the body. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the know. best part. It's the yeah, tell you sign. Have have, you have to have some kind of way to tell it's it's him. <laughs> You know, and uh, Except the fact that he's trying to kill you is yeah, not a big enough. Yeah, myth. they did this. Uh, you know, they they did this again, and Jason goes to hell. I can't believe like no one ever. Uh, maybe people do sort of talk about how Jason goes to hell ripped that storyline off. Yeah, but if, uh, well, if I were to body d- body jumping's been happening in movies before, yeah. but it, it felt so familiar to me. That's because Jason goes to hell. Um, felt more like it was ripping off the hidden than Shocker. Because in the hidden, it was a little parasitic worm that went from body to body. Well, that was uh, what happened in Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. But yeah, I man, I thought um, 
it's so so strange like that I don't know Wes Craven has some real hit or miss movies in his career but this one didn't feel so Wes Craven to me like the the heavy metal and I don't know something about it it didn't feel I don't know I guess looking back at some of his other stuff it makes sense but um I did I did enjoy it quite a bit it had had some good uh yeah the the lead kid I don't even know his Let's see who played uh, the lead kid because I'm looking at the IMDb Isn't page. It Peter Berg here. Was Peter it Berg. Peter Berg? Yeah, mm-hmm. he was really good. Uh, you know, he plays sort of the angsty teenager who uh, gets. He was a college student. Yeah, a college student that gets um, the shit out of the stick in every single way in this movie. Dear God. But uh, I thought he did good. The the guy who played Horace Pinker, Mitch Pelegi. Pelegi, I think. Pelegi, I don't know. Yep. But one thing I really loved about this movie, and I wish he had more uh, screen time, Ted Raimi. He was so yes. uh, he, he looks so young and handsome in this movie. It's like you have Ted Raimi use him, you know. I I, I too smiled when I saw Ted. I'm yeah, like, yes, Ted. Yeah, exactly. So what did you guys? Uh, how many times do you, would you say is this one of your uh, regular rotation, Jason? It is for me, absolutely. Uh, I. I watched this movie when it first came out. Me and my friend Ben Clayton, we used to re- watch this movie a lot, all the time. And um, I just love it. I love it, love it, love it. I think it holds up for me, but I have a lot of nostalgia for it too. But I love the music, the Megadeth. I don't uh, know. I like Megadeth and all, but. Oh, it's so superior to the original. Don't even version. go there. Oh, I think it is. <laughs> Oh my uh, god! The music's like gonna break out. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, is, is there a version without Megadeth or something? What? What is? What were you oh gonna say? Oh my god! It, no, it. They Cooper. Uh, Megadeth improved upon the Alice Cooper no. song. There is no improvement. Okay. What? Okay. There is no improvement. I will reach through this microphone. I That's love right. Alice Cooper. He'll Don't go all horse pinkered on you and no, climb through yeah, the I computer. Will. <laughs> I will come right through this computer. I'm wearing my Alice Cooper shirt right now in honor of I, this movie. And I love Alice Cooper. <laughs> he's just, wearing the he's wearing the face I paint just, and he just decapitated yes. an innocent person. <laughs> yes. I just I just think their version's better. I'm oh sorry. I love it. I love their version. Oh, it's, it's okay it's to be wrong. A good yeah. version, but Well I'm just saying. I, I'll, I agree with you, thing, Jason. Thank you, I, buddy. The one thing I will say is because like, Alice's is a 1970s song, it wouldn't have worked in an right. 80s movie. That's the only thing I will it's, say. It works better for this film, but overall, it's not a superior version as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I don't. Incorrect. Uh, incorrect. Right. Oh Derek's on my side. We got two to three. Anyway, does this movie feel more '90s? I mean, it's '90s. Well, it's it on the well. It's, it's right there. '89. It's on the cusp. Well, look at those clothes. It's on the cusp. I and think it's like in. I think it's in the. the this was like half. that transitional period yeah. of where films felt more '90s, or like this is what the '90s films became. I guess they were sort of just beginning to tip into the garbage pail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mitch Pileggi is fucking awesome. I mean, he's balls to the wall over the top with it and he'll tell you so too in interviews and stuff but he but i know he you know west just said have fun you yeah. know and and he did and he was so great and i agree best 
bad guy name ever. Yeah, I will agree with that you, one. You just remember it. And why would... <laughs> never would remember the name Horace any other time. But it just works. Um, well, there's one other time I can remember the name Horace. Oh, right. Hey, fat kid. Good job. <laughs> My name is Horace. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But, uh... Yeah, just the the feel of the movie, the vibe, the color, the it's just so good. I love it. It's 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 definitely up there as one of my favorites of Wes's for sure. Probably number two, easy. Number two, right right behind Cursed. No, oh. <laughs> you shit stirrer, you. Hey, what's wrong with Cursed? Oh, see, it's what? it's not one of the best though. What could be better than this? Nightmare on Elm Street. That's one. We all have eyes. No. People Don't. under the stairs. No. No. <laughs> Serpent in the rainbow. That's good, but no. Yeah. Last house on the left. No. So you're right, Jason. Vampire in Brooklyn. So- <laughs> my, my soul to take. <laughs> I liked that movie, but. Good for you. Scream. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Anyway, I loved it. Well, you think about, like, what, what was there anything between, I'm trying to think of um, timeline between Shocker and Scream, what he did. Um, I think New Nightmare and Vampire oh, yes. in Brooklyn wow. were between there. People on okay, the Stairs okay. was after this one. Oh, People on the Stairs was after really? this one? He had a two-picture deal with somebody for this. He got to do this one and People on the yeah. Stairs. That was 1991, that People Under Stairs, so. Interesting. I was just sort of of thinking, like, that's, you know, uh, there's a a huge difference, but I feel like Wes doesn't get a lot of, um, I don't know, a lot of credit, because you think of The Hills Have Eyes as very 70s. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Shocker, definitely, Shocker sort of feels, like you said, early 90s, but, you know, Nightmare is very 80s, and then he ushered in, like, the whole new genre with Scream, he, um, I don't know, he just sort of has like a defining, at least a defining film in each, you know. Yeah, in each decade. It, it, yeah. yeah, in each decade, it's awesome. I can agree with that. But Mike, I know you've, uh, never, it's, it's never been. I have some nostalgia for it, but it's never been one that I've I've been a huge fan of. Uh, is it fun? I think I probably enjoy it now more than I did when I first saw it. I think my expectations going in the first time were, you know, this is the guy in me, Nightmare on Elm Street. He's giving us a new horror, a new uh, horror icon, and and then I'm just like, what? <laughs> you know. So Wait. what? What's the history with it? Like, uh, did it flop pretty bad? Because I feel like they probably wanted to make like a franchise of this, right? They did. They wanted. To, they wanted this to be. I think my understanding is West was presented with the opportunity to was literally told create a new horror icon. So they were looking at a new franchise out of this. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to call it a flop. But uh, it obviously didn't do the business that they had hoped enough to start a franchise. I don't think that that's what it was. I think it was Wes just moved on. I don't I don't think it was numbers based the decision not to do more. 
Well, he wouldn't have to. You know, the studio would hire another director to yeah. do part two. When do you think <clears throat> it'll get remade? Uh, I thought there was talks about it. I think oh. in, in the doc on the Blu-ray, when when there's something that was said about that, he could like jump through the internet. You know. Oh, Mitch! Mitch was talking about. He thought it would be cool, and he said, "If they ever did, oh yeah, that's right. Just bring them back for a little part, but not that there was a real plan." Plan. Yeah, I don't know because I just, again, like, yeah, you know, I just remember Nightmare on Elm Street. That's a scary movie. Like Hills Have Eyes to me, that's a scary movie, and I just didn't really find anything scary about uh, about Shocker. It's fun. Yeah, it's got some cool stuff in it. Uh, uh, some over the top stuff about it but uh um and again like there's something there you you talk about it feeling like a an early 90s movie and i totally agree with that there is an aesthetic about some especially the stuff coming out of uh um coming out of bigger studios at that time with with horror there's an aesthetic about about those movies from that era that just i don't know i don't know how to describe it but but I can usually guess pretty close to the time frame when that movie came out just by the look of the film. Um, and it's not a look that overly appeals to me. It just feels kind of almost television. Derek, tell him why he's crazy. <laughs> do I really need to do that? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> What did you think of what do you think of Shocker, Derek? Um, this was my second time watching this, and about thirty minutes into it, I realized my DVD was fucked. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, and I blame one of my old roommates for that because I do not treat my DVDs that way. And are you sure? Are you sure Horace Pinker wasn't in your DVD player? <laughs> That son of a bitch. <laughs> no, no not so, going to be defeated this time. No, I've I've had this movie for a long time. I've, like I said, this would be my second time watching it. It's definitely not one of my favorite Wes Cravens, but I I don't dislike the movie. It's just not. It's not one of my go tos when I'm looking for something to watch. And I, I, I definitely wouldn't put it on the bottom of Wes Craven by any means. No. No. You know, there's definitely, there's definitely other films that are uh, in his catalog that are much more deserving of being on the bottom. Um, so, you know, it's just probably right about the middle. Um, you know, I don't, I don't hate it. It's, it's fun to watch. It's got some, some cool, fun ideas and, uh, uh, you know, the jumping through the television stuff in the third act was oh yeah, uh, was yeah. a blast. I I definitely put it above Serpent and the Rainbow. Um, I I do not enjoy that movie, but yeah, that's not this podcast episode, so never mind. <laughs> well, Harley, did, was this your first? This was also my first time. What did you think? Seeing it. it was it was okay. I would agree that it, it's. A mid-range Wes Craven movie. I have not seen everything he's ever put out, um, but uh, I like that Horace Pinker's shop looked like something out of a comic book. That was cool. Yeah, the visuals and some of that stuff. That was yeah. I like that. That was, and I couldn't help but laugh the scene where uh, 
the main character, I don't remember his name. What's Anyway, when he when his girlfriend is giving him the the necklace or he's giving her the necklace for her birthday, I couldn't help but think, Wes, you should have just painted a big bullseye on her because we clearly know she's gonna die. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> yeah, I think her her stuff when she's the ghost and stuff is probably the coolest and probably yeah. creepiest stuff in the whole movie. Yeah, that's where I, I really feel like that's tap- tapping into the real horror side of Wes uh, uh, during those moments. Yeah, that was also something that I noticed because it's like a good and evil symbolism. You have the girlfriend who's like a pure ghost or spirit, and then Pinker is some sort of perverted, digitized spirit. Um, and, yeah, we, we were talking about how uh, Shocker... Or some people thought the Shocker is not as scary. It got me thinking, uh, there's a documentary, I believe it's on YouTube. It was done for, I think, the Sci-Fi Channel. It's hosted by Bruce Campbell, where they talk to like Wes Craven and John Carpenter and all that. I can't think of things like Masters of Horror or something. And uh, Wes talked about how uh, he, he was, he's frustrated by like the studio system. There's that system, like the, uh, the MPAA is yeah. set up to... If he's like, I, if I'm so good at making these intense thrillers, why is there this system telling me to dial it back? Yeah, and I feel like this might have been a movie that the MTAA made him dial back because I could clearly see this as being a much more intense movie. Yeah, I can I can agree with that, and I don't remember I don't remember if there was stuff they talked about on the special features about being cut out or not. Do you, Jason? Yeah, he said there was tons of effects stuff cut out. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. Tons Mm -hmm. and tons. Like, uh, there's a knife through a hand part they had to cut out. Oh, yeah, I remember them talking about that. A lot of that. Yeah, he said quite a bit of the effects actually got cut down. Which is strange because it's, I mean, looking at it as a whole now, it's like there's, yeah, there's some gore in it, but overall it's like... I don't think of it as a uh, necessarily violent movie for for uh, its time period. It almost comes across like a, a more of a thriller, a suspense movie kind of yeah kind of thing. But uh, I also enjoyed Mitch Pileggi in this role. I'd only seen him in the X Files and as the host of uh, Magic's Greatest Secrets Finally Revealed, and I I enjoyed seeing him unhinged. I enjoy watching actors who are known for one thing, and then you see him in something else. Yeah. Did he, uh, in the revealing magic, did he tell how he transferred bodies via electricity? <laughs> he did not. He did, he, he <laughs> held that to the chest. He he, he did not break that secret. Uh, Good. I think he's going to take that to the grave with him. Good. He was also That's... on Supernatural. Okay. Yeah. Now, Jason, I have to ask you a question. Yep. Did Mike's head just about explode when the T word was yep. used there? Yeah, he spun around <laughs> in his chair a little bit. Oh, God. T word. <laughs> yep. Oh, Derek, you know me too well. Um, mm-hmm. I listen to the podcast. I uh, kind of hey, want to say. Let me this. just say it. John Tesh is in this, so how could you not like it? <laughs> because John Tesh, our narrator, he made the entire movie. <laughs> it's cool that Heather Langenkamp's in the movie. 
Yeah, and Ted Raimi plays Pac-Man. That's a sweet like character name, Pac-Man. Yeah. I know, not know that. And he's credited as Theodore Raimi. Right. Yeah. That's funny. I'm just looking at the IMDb, sort of oh. laughing at some of the stuff here. His daughter Jessica was in it. I'm guessing his daughter Jessica yep. Craven. And his son was in it too. I, he's he's in it towards the end, isn't he? Yep. As a neighbor. Yep. Yeah. Heather Langenkamp's in it. Where is she mm-hmm. at? She's a victim in the beginning, carried out Which on a stretcher. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't catch that until I saw the credits. Like, oh wow, Heather Langenkamp's in this. I didn't know that. Yeah, hmm. I think I saw in the credits Tony Moran. I think is what I saw did some of the stunts that he ended oh, awesome. up playing. You know, Michael Myers later in the series. Yeah. Yep. So that's sort of cool. That when you, I was like, where do I know that name? Wait a second. Uh huh. And he was just like an uncredited stunt guy in this one. So. I love the scene at. After the scene in the park when he's fighting Horace from body to body, the following scene is him at the school talking with his friends and the coach and how just quickly they all just believe him and this crazy-ass story. Like, the coach is ready to go. Like He's like, let's go fuck this guy up, you know? Well, you ever been on a football team, man? It's all about, you know, um, trusting each one. other. Right. Yeah, exactly. you got to, you know, if you're... If your teammate comes and he says that the serial killer jumping from body to body via electricity, you believe him and you come up with a plan very quickly about going to the um, grid of all the electricity. And yeah, you don't know Mike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you said a whole playbook. There, it's a deal. Yeah, the scene, yeah, well, when you get hit in the head enough times, you oh. kind of believe anything, really. <laughs> and there's that scene where he, like, isn't there a scene where he takes over, like, the little girl's body? Yeah, so that was, that makes was funny. Her and she's dragging, like a yeah, sailor. she's dragging her foot. It's so funny. In the, uh, in, in the interview with Mitch on the Blu-ray, he talks about how he worked a, oh, this, this long time for a long time on um, figuring out how he was going to do the limp, and he came up with this really he cool idea. really fucking stoked about I it. I was really stoked about it and, and came into work that day ready to show Wes Craven, you know, but they'd been filming scenes before Horace Pinker stuff, and one of the scenes they shot was the little girl scene, and, and they're like, oh, that's a... And Wes Craven's like, oh, that's great and everything, but we already have established the, the limp by this little girl. So, so... The limp was designed by the girl, the little girl, and throughout the that whole movie. That little girl that has, yeah, five seconds of yeah. screen time. Yeah, uh, she fucking ruined determined. it. And yeah. Mitch yeah. had to emulate the little girl's limp through his performance. <laughs> That's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> I also like when the football team goes to the power grid, they bring all this stuff with them, but they don't use it. Yeah. It's like, but I don't know what's all they have, but they just... I want a I want a whole movie of just the football team because they each had like their own character. There was like the fat white idiot, the the cool black guy. They each had their uh, you know stereotype. They did make that movie. It was the program. Yeah. Oh. That's a good movie. Controversial. It was a good football movie. See, I watch sports movies. Yay! <laughs> Not with me. <laughs> All right, Mighty Ducks, let's do it. Okay. And Latimer, Latimer from that movie went on to play Leatherface in the remakes. Oh. Okay. Huh. Did not know that. I'm definitely for watching it. Yep. The guy that was all steroided out. Yeah, he went on to play <laughs> Leatherface. Cool. Weird. All right, anything else about uh, Shocker? Yeah, it's fucking awesome. 
<laughs> Get your heads out of your asses. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it the pinky that would be in the ass? Just stop it. <laughs> and love it. The, the Horace Pinky. The Horace. Okay. <laughs> nice. Nice. The shocker. Oh gosh. All right, um, Derek. What's another movie? What's the next movie we should talk about? Um, let's move on to Phantom of the Opera. If we have to. Whoa! Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, get I'm, it. Get it out of the way. You chose what? it. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I, it's not. I'm that. with you on this one, Mike. I, I told Jason I was excited because this was a first time viewing for me, and then about five minutes into it, I realized, oh shit, this isn't a first time viewing, <laughs> and my movie or and my brain blocked out this movie for a reason. It Come was actually. <laughs> oh, yeah! I uh, directed by Dwight Little. I yeah. what else sure. is he directed? Halloween Four. Oh, that's right. I knew that. Broken sure Arrow. Did. Yeah, <laughs> Broken Arrow. Robert Englund, Jill Shulin, Shulin, Shulin. Yeah, I know. That's why I was excited to revisit it. I think yeah. we have now officially covered all her, her entire movies. horror <laughs> filmography on the show. I think this that's year. why it's on here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was. It was actually uh, Molly Shannon showing up. That freaked that, me out. I'm like, that looks like Molly Shannon, and I had to pay be. attention to the credits, and sure as hell it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what triggered me remembering that I'd seen this before because I was like, shit, that looks like Molly Shannon. So I went to IMDb and I'm like, wait a minute, this seems familiar because I did the exact same thing the first time I watched it. Deja vu. Yeah, and uh, it took it took me about three or four settings to get through this movie. Oh. I. The acting is terrible. Um, the story is not good. I I did not enjoy this movie. I love Robert England. I really do, and I did not like him in this role. This um, I thought his face that uh, when he had the prosthetics on for what was supposed to be his skin, he sewed on looked more terrifying than when the skin was off. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, once the skin's off, you're like, oh, it's Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wonder if they... I noticed that it was Kevin Yeager that did the makeup effects for this, and I'm just wondering, did they hire, did they hire him because he already had pre-existing Freddy Krueger molds? Uh, I'm guessing... Probably a money saver right there. Yeah, right? Just use those same molds. Just don't put all the pieces on. You're terrible. This, I'm not this wrong. This movie was not fun. It, it was not a good time. I was happy when it was over. Well, I'm hoping maybe somebody, some others on the show have a different opinion. Because when I was watching it, first of all, I saw this when it first came out on, on VHS. I remember it was all over Fangoria. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. I think uh, it was either the cover of Gorezone one issue. So you know, this was a big deal in the day. And the thing Eye is, like, radar. you could say almost say that 1989 was the year of Robert England. 
He oh, did yeah. this movie. He did Nightmare on Elm Street 5. And he had his directorial debut with 976 Evil. So yeah. he he had three movies out that year. Too bad none of them were any good. But oh, um, oh, I'm just kid- I'm kidding. You're not wrong. <laughs> Dream Child's awesome. I hate you guys. What? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking awesome. Anyway, did you just have a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> There's some good stuff in Dream Child. Anyway, um, we're not talking about Dream Child. Uh, so I remember renting it, and I thought I remembered liking it. Um, and I don't think I've ever really watched it since. So when I sat down to watch it this time, I'm like, that's oh, clear. it does not hold up. It did not hold up. Um, but, the, but I'm hoping maybe somebody else has a different opinion because my feeling on it is it starts off, you know, uh, with Jill in modern times and she's looking for this music for this audition for this opera. And she finds this music that's written by apparently the Phantom from all these years ago. She goes and does her audition and she gets knocked unconscious. And then it's boom. It's like she's trans, uh, she's, she wakes up as herself or another version of herself in the past. And then it's all, and then it's this period piece through most of the rest of the movie and I just I do not have an attention span for period films I, I can't I, I just can't do it um, I normally have no problem with them but yeah this one just did not do it for me and why why the need to go back and tell that story because then, then at the end she wakes up and then it's a whole other story for the last five minutes of the movie that somehow well, is tied into not, it. How did she not immediately know? She wakes up and he's right in her face and she's like, who are you? He's the fucking guy that just tried to kill you. Yeah, but the thing is, it's like this is definitely very much what <coughs> a 1980s Phantom of the Opera movie would be. <laughs> it well, is. I, was, I was hoping for more gore but the gore seemed a little bit downplayed to me. I agree, and I bet it I bet it met the fate of the MPAA as well, but... Yeah. But! Give me another version of Phantom of the Opera anywhere that has any gore in it, right? So, it definitely... Touché. It definitely has, like, the 80s excess to it, which I can appreciate it for that, and the, uh, the kind of 80s novelty... You know, like, let's take this classic storyline that has been turned into... I mean, at this point, it was already the massive Broadway musical that, you know, destroys the original horror story, but whatever. Um, uh, Not an Andrew Lloyd Webber fan, I'm just saying. Um, And then let's sprinkle 80s into it, you know, so... uh, It It definitely had excess runtime. Yeah, yeah, it did feel like it was a bit long, but again, I think that was just my attention span for period films. But I don't know. I'm rambling. Who else has got an opinion? Oh, I know Derek. Uh, I kind of agree. They either should have kept it in modern day New York or or the 19 whatever early 1900 London where wherever they had it set because it. I would have preferred it if it had been uh, modern day New York, and I thought that. Eric was going to uh, be resurrected or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I 
this is the first viewing for me, and hopefully the last viewing. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't hate it as much as Derek seems to hate it. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't have quite such a revulsion either. But. There was, <laughs> if nothing, if nothing else, there was some, uh, you know, I, there was some gore stuff in it. I will say that whenever I, uh, this is one of the movies I remember seeing the cover for all the time on, you know, in the VHS and the video store, and thinking that it was a Nightmare on Elm Street movie because they have. Robert England in like almost the same makeup with a hat, sort of you know it's it's almost like they're trying really hard to. The cover art's very Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, they're it's it's clearly they're playing up on the idea that it's Robert England, and even on the the title you know Robert England was Freddy now he's Phantom of the Opera. It's almost like they're trying so hard to make sure that yeah. yeah exactly which is you know I guess at the time it was like Freddy was so big that you know you want to but. You think Phantom of the Opera is a big enough name that they could uh, cut it cut it back a little bit and stop trying to remind you that Freddy's playing the Phantom? So he even does evil cackling in it, like he does when he's Freddy. So true. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the skinning people to create a mask was kind of an interesting departure from the traditional just having the mask over the disfigurement right actually yeah, yeah. make a skin mask was kind of cool i felt like they had yeah. to try to do they, they were trying to find a way to get some more gore in it because it's the 80s you know and mm-hmm. red and uh robert but that was sort of a creative way to get some good gore in it too but, but i also like the costume design of the phantom and it was different it wasn't this white mask he had this black mm-hmm. Yeah, black thing over his face. It was probably more Zorro-ish than it was, <laughs> but I liked it. Now yeah, I want kind of Zorro man-ish. Oh, yeah, darker. Oh yeah, man-ish. that's a good comparison. Uh-huh. But yeah, let's let's get a Zorro with Robert England. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it says that it was. It says Freddy Krueger claws. <laughs> it says that it was supposed to be rated X, but the MPA yeah, cut it down. This is not an X-rated movie. No. They said it was. It was just they had to edit the yeah. fuck out of it. To so it MPAA well, went well, to town well, on this movie, yeah. too. I was say, they literally edited the fucking out of it, and it yep. became uh, rated yeah. R. <laughs> <laughs> so that version's got to be out there somewhere, right? Oh, who knows? Uh, so many. If lo- it is, Shot Factory will find it. Yeah. Yeah. Put it under their scream factory. Yeah. So the the Italian trailer contains a scene not included on in any version of the movie. Oh. Where uh, Harrison's a, a face gets crushed in a newspaper. I don't know. Okay. It was also hmm. supposed to be released on Canon. It was supposed to be a Canon movie. Imagine. Oh, that explains so much more. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. Just like, yeah, canon is awesome because they are excessive. You know what else is awesome in what? this movie? Bill Nye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was good in this movie. He yeah. was one of the few good parts. Wait, what? Not Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> <laughs> Nye. Nye. Davy Jones. Davy Jones. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, I always go to the stepdad and... Sean of the Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I like why did it. you? Why? Why? Who picked this, and why was it picked, Mike? Was it you? It's picked for Jill Shulman. I know that it has to Maybe. be. Maybe. Well, we had to complete her filmography via 
this year. Well, don't don't drag the rest of us into your weird obsessions. <laughs> <laughs> she just. What do you think he's been doing for seven her, years? She's got to get rid of those bangs, man. I hate those bangs. So, Jason, I, you were saying I don't. I don't hate this movie. I've always, I've always liked it. I, uh, I appreciate them doing it different. I like, you know, the story. I like the story. It's classic. You know, it's. I remember being the first time seeing it, just being like, "Ooh, what are they? How are they going to do it different? And how is it going to be different? How's it going to be the same? Are we going to see those those things in this new movie? It's." Yeah, it's unfortunate the freddiness of it, probably, but 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 at the same time, like I feel like I feel like Robert might have even pushed for this movie for the theatricalness of it all and getting to be more flamboyant and oh, that, and that's the thing. That's the thing for me. I could just see. Robert England getting this script and being like, "Oh, finally, uh-huh. so I could show, I could do some real acting." You right. know, right? This is a, this is you know. And I was happy for him for that. And then, and then, and then when it comes time to shoot it, yeah. it's like, "Oh, I'm doing the same thing over again. <laughs> I'm just doing Freddy again." And then being deflated by it. I don't know. Who knows? I, I that would be a good question to ask him someday in a panel discussion, like uh, what his thoughts were of the Phantom of the Opera. I'll work on it, okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I thought it was agreed we would never talk about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for the sequel where Christine is serving time for murder because she just leaves that apartment and, you know, someone, yeah. she got caught by the cops. That's, yeah. that's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> yeah. A sequel titled The Phantom of the Opera 2 Terror in Manhattan. There was, you go. <laughs> was planned but never made. Yeah, okay. So was the, I, uh, I don't know. It's like the whole thing leading up to what we really wanted to see, a modern Phantom of the Opera? Oh, yeah. It was a modern take. Okay, sorry. So, I meant Phantom sort of the like Opera Jason, in modern times. I say just sort of like Jason, Man, Jason Takes Manhattan sort of leads up to the movie we wanted to see, which is Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Anyways. Where's I did like the blood coming up through the, the song sheets. That fucking was cool. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that was, was badass. Yeah. Right. yeah, there's some really... Really cool shit, you know. There's some, there's some good, good gory stuff. Uh, like you said, there's no other um, telling of the story that gives us quite as much blood. So, yeah. Phantom, Phantom of the Opera stories are kind of like Dracula movies. They, people redo them. You kind of want to see how they, how they do it differently. And yeah. that's, and that's where I think there's, there's some, appre- I have some appreciation for this movie because this is an '80s timestamp on this story that's been told over and over again, you know? And is it just me? I guess I'm not that enriched in Phantom of the Opera lore, but Phantom of the Opera is more of a sympathetic monster, right? He, like, he uh, is very, yes, he is a very sympathetic uh, character because, well, in the book and in the original movie, he's born looking like a, like a living skeleton or disfigured naturally, uh, and, you know, he just wants to be loved and in fact in at the end of the book he literally dies of a broken heart yeah but in this he's like just another sadistic bastard maniac he, yeah he's, he's 80s man a, yeah <laughs> sold his soul to a little person which yeah that's i had to laugh <laughs> satan's a midget 
<laughs> Which again, I'm not saying you know it's a bad thing changing the character or anything. It's a it's a yeah. take on it. Yeah, yeah. you Is know. It, it, well, yeah, it's still my favorite version of Phantom of the Opera. It's probably like my fourth or fifth favorite. Oh. Um. Does Phantom of the Paradise count? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Because that's my favorite. You fandom. can't just use some of the words and then. <laughs> it is essentially it's it's freaking Phantom of the Opera. Did it's you... clearly influenced. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The original Lon Chaney is still my favorite. No, oh, it's good too. Oh yeah, me too. Me too. The um, was it Claude Rains? That did yeah, the he universal was, he version. Was in the, yeah, he was in the color version. He's the yeah. one that started the whole bad suntan on the side of the face look. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever actually seen that one. Okay. Well, we can move on. Next. Next. Uh, Jason, what should be the next one we bring It should in? be. Dream Child, Nightmare on Elm Street 5. <laughs> how fucking great it is. I don't remember that on the... Okay. Um, yeah, I don't have time to explain how awesome it is to everybody. It's got some good stuff in it. Ch- Kelly Jo Minter. Anyway. Oh, shut your face. That's the worst part of it. <laughs> you know what? Okay, side note. I was listening to uh, uh, the it. podcast that you started me listening to. WTF. Oh, Ogrecast. But okay. not <laughs> uh, that's on the um, oh shockwaves. Yeah, shockwaves. And did you see they did an episode? They interviewed Kelly Joe Minter. Nope, I, sk- I didn't show up on my phone. It's weird. And, and I started listening to it just out of just out of yeah. Uh, and then you heard her voice, and you're like, I better turn this off before actually, my phone yeah, breaks. I couldn't finish it. Yeah. <laughs> I purposely listened to it because of you. Okay. Out of spite to you. <laughs> And then I couldn't even finish it myself. Because you know I'm right. (laughs) Well, I want to bring up this uh, movie because I think it's really funny. The the inside joke of it, I guess. Um, So Mike makes these lists of movies. (laughs) And sometimes, well, uh, yeah, I forget. You know, this one's based on a year. What's the coincidence that two different movies of the same name (laughs) come out in the same year? And and say somebody like Tad watches the wrong one, <laughs> and he's like, guys, he's like halfway through the movie, he's like, I'm not sure this is the right movie. <laughs> this this has happened to me at least twice on this podcast, oh, and I've it. only and I've only it. been on here for a year, so um, <laughs> you got to cut that shit out because I'm watching unnecessarily bad movies, wasting you know time. What? Yeah. No, sometimes they end up better than Mike's pick. So. <laughs> right, no, you, you take that chance for sure. And this one had to be better than Mike's pick, though, right? Yes, yes, it was. It had to be because. Oh no! Night, I. Uh, okay, you still haven't even mentioned Nightlife. Nightlife, the long lost <laughs> film. Nightlife. I say, let it stay lost. Yeah, <laughs> it's I think not, there's a reason it was lost. I, there's definitely a reason it was lost. Come on. But I love Scott Grimes. Yeah. He's freaking awesome. Scott Grimes. John motherfucking Ashton. John motherfucking Ashton. You'll love everything he's in. Everything. And that's blinded you, my friend. 
<laughs> this is you're really not liking this one. It's I think, I, dude, I, this is so this is such a stupid fucking movie, but no, I love it because I it's so fucking stupid. Here's the thing: my main if I. I love it because I like it because I don't love it. I like it because it screams this late 80s, early 90s film to me. It's the hijinks, the craziness. I just, it was the clunkiest fucking movie I've ever seen. It's really clunky. Between the editing and, I don't know how else to explain it, but they just, they left too much, they left too much space in these scenes. You know, it really could could use a cut job. And then I I'm sorry, Mike, but the I, the dialogue I thought was pretty atrocious. I swear to Christ, everything out of John Aston's mouth is from some other movie. Like everything he says doesn't fit this movie. He's acting on he's acting in some other thing. He read the script. Like fuck this. I'm gonna take. I think else that's what happened. <laughs> And he performed him like he was in some other movie, too. We are like, why is he... What's his motivation for these choices? But other than that, the premise is pretty fun. Yeah, yeah on paper, it's like, if oh, you yeah. tell someone about it, they're like, oh, that sounds great. Except when Mike told me about it on paper, he made me not excited about it, because he's like, oh, here's this poor kid who can't catch a break, and he's bullied by these yeah, guys. Yeah. And then they finally die... And they come back to fucking bully him some more. <laughs> and I'm like, that doesn't sound fun at all. That's, that's every, every person who's ever been bullied, that's their nightmare. It is. Yeah. He can't fucking get away. But to, to be fair, though, he didn't He didn't mention that the kid is a complete smart ass and brings it on himself. Yeah. It's is. true. It's not like he was completely defenseless, at least mentally, defend, I guess. He defends himself. Yeah. He's if you the, just... Yeah, just start, just shut your mouth. If he just shut his mouth every once in a while, he wouldn't be in those situations. Yeah, it's it's really his fault that they went to the to the his work, place of work. Yeah, yeah, because he's the one that put the frog's legs on the the jock's yeah. sweater jacket. Yeah, it's so really the fault. jock is the uh, victim in this story. Oh, yeah, poor jock! Just just trying to get revenge. It's a your classic <laughs> revenge story of the, <laughs> the dead coming back and getting revenge. So, I'm going to do a quick summary of this Please. movie, because Jason, you did not. <laughs> I and I guarantee that. that most of our listeners have not even heard of this movie. Yeah. It, is, it is a buried, buried movie, and Jason says for good reason. I beg to differ. Uh-huh. Good one. Um, buried. But, uh, and, un- and unburied. This is another one that was, and I wonder too, um, you say it really has that late 80s feel, but I... I wonder, I don't know this for a fact, but I wonder if this is a movie that got shelved and then dumped on video um, at, you know, uh, at least a year or two after the fact. Because um, I remember reading about this movie in Fango, and it was one of those, like, and seeing a lot of cool pictures of the zo- with the look of the zombies in it. And my favorite is when... When the one zombie gets like shot in the head and it shoots out milk from its head, there's a screenshot of that, and I just thought the the skull face of this of this zombie looked badass, and I was so excited for this movie, and I just it I never I could never find it, and finally I found a video store that had it sitting on the shelf. But basically, what this movie is, Scott Grimes is this kid. His his um his parents are his parent. No wait, his 
No, he still lives with his mother, right? Yeah, he lives with his mom, but I think his dad's dead or whatever. And he works for his uncle at the mortuary, um, at the funeral home, uh, helping him retrieve dead bodies and prepping them for, you know, funerals and stuff like that. Um, so he can get money from his uncle to be able to get out of that town and go to college. Um, he's bullied by these jocks. Again, like Ted said, maybe not all the jocks' fault, um, but uh, uh, bullied nonetheless. Uh, his best friend is a grease monkey girl at this at the gas station up the road, um, and I want to talk about her in a bit. Um, um, and his asshole uncle that runs the funeral home is played by John Astin. Well, there's some shenanigans that go back and forth to the point where it ends up getting um, Scott fired from the funeral home, losing the opportunity to go to college. And just so happens that same night, those bullies get in a car accident and killed, so he gets called back into work. But uh, lightning hits the funeral home, and it brings the the jocks back to life. And they but tried. They, to... they were. They did crash into like a chemical. Oh, that's truck right. Too. Yeah, I thought that's what it was. I forgot about that part. Yeah, um, which 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 is a weird, surreal kind of scene. Like, cause it's all eighty yard audio because they're talking with, and it's all muffled voices because they have these gas masks on. There's like fog everywhere, and you, yeah. Anyway. Um, so they, so these zombies, these prep zombies come back and try to, and chase him down, try to kill him, and and hilarity ensues. So, not really. It's not funny. It's not a comedy. Uh, or is it? It has funny it's moments. Got, yeah, it's got, I like the humor in it. Here's my, my thing with this movie. I agree with Jason that it's clunky. Um, um, I still enjoyed watching it but it is clunky as hell and i think i think the problem is is in the audio design i think anybody who wants to make a movie needs to watch this movie to learn the lesson that sound is the most important element of your movie this movie feels unfinished when watching it because um the the foley work is inconsistent sometimes it's like louder than the normal soundtrack other times there's not even any foley there like if somebody gets hit and there's not even a sound effect there's during intense scenes or actiony scenes or quote unquote horror scenes there's no music score and then there's music score in scenes that doesn't require any music score um <laughs> And so, and even the, I mean, you could still hear the actors and everything, but just the overall audio mix is just poorly done and very inconsistent. And again, with it having such minimal score, it feels like I'm watching a movie that's not finished yet. So, and, and I don't know, maybe that's the case. It but, doesn't help it. And I know. think that's what really hurts this movie. I mean, it just goes to show that a good music score can make a breaker film you know so you know because those actiony scenes are really like like you said they're clunky and sloppy and i just think there's just like nothing to draw you into it no no like good foley work no and no music score but that's my take on it 
If you talk about it possibly being a movie that had been shelved for a couple of years, it could be that what we saw is like the rough cut. They just never got around to be able to trim it down. Oh, it feels like a rough cut. Yeah, it's very, it's very rough. Well, I know, I know that. The, well, because the version we got is off of a VHS. Yep. So this was yeah. an action. This is how the movie was but released. Like the, but I think it's plenty of the directing and the way. I feel like they're just like, let's let's uh let's think of a new gag to do in this scene while we're here. Like the frog legs. Like that scene's over, and then a minute later they're still walking out in the hallway and they do this frog legs gag. I just mean like, just it's just one weird thing, and then it's like. Pause and then, hey, let's try this other thing. And I just, it didn't feel clearly planned out, even the story. Well, and that could be a directing thing, but I also think maybe, I, 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 again, I'm blaming everything in this movie on, on, um, post production work and in the editing. I think it, a lot of oh, that yeah. is doing the editing because it feels like, like you said, some scenes go on way too long and we're giving too much information about a scene. And other moments, we're not given any information. What movie does not show us the car crash of those of those uh, jocks? Right. That just is out of nowhere. Just a phone call is like, there's this accident. And, oh, my God, it's those kids. Like, you know, you're halfway through that scene in the smoke before you realize what's really going on here. You know, you don't get that scene leading up to that where, you know, they're driving crazy or whatever and they wreck into this chemical truck or what have you so again movie feels really incomplete more than anything else well there's probably a good reason that um only made it to vhs yeah Yeah. and i'm no one's i'm no one's demanding for it to get a uh, special Blu-ray or anything. So it's, it's not going to be on Shout Factory's list no. anytime soon. Well, they're running out of shit. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> we need something. We need something. Nightlife. Yes. Now, I guess I'm going to be the one that disagrees here because I would buy that Blu-ray. <laughs> Me too. I, I really enjoyed this movie. Is it? Is it perfect? No, not at all. But maybe it was just that I followed up Phantom of the Opera with oh, this. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it, was a, it was a palate cleanser. Yeah, um, I I had a lot of fun with this movie. I uh, his uncle's death scene. I absolutely loved that. Yes, death by air compressor. That was. Oh cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. But while it's happening, I'm like, they're really killing him. <laughs> I know there, this I, is really happening. I, know. I thought somehow he was going to pull through, but uh, when he started getting all bloated and stuff, I'm like, no, 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 he's going to yeah. explode. He blew it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh God! Well, terrible jokes that you are need great. To download a rim <laughs> shot. The, no. Don't touch it. But no, I I had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, I will agree that the sound mixing on this was terrible. They, it did feel incomplete. But um, other than that, I enjoyed the characters. Um, they, it, it did feel like it was a few years older than 1989 to me. I thought this felt like an early 80s movie. Um, 
but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. Um, it was good to see the asshole husband from deck or ex-husband from Dexter get it again. Um, yeah, uh, I would say probably out of the four movies from this, this was the one I enjoyed the most. Oh, wow. Wow. You think you know somebody. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? I hate everything. I know. So it only makes sense that. Hmm. I think this was the first of the movies that I actually watched. I'm not sure why I picked it first, but uh, I, you know, again with Mitch Pelleggi, I love seeing John Astin playing an asshole, playing something I've never seen him as, and without a mustache, and without a mustache. Um, Oh yeah, good point. And uh, I mean, and you would talk about '80s. The blonde girls, black undies. Those are. Totally 80s, yeah. high waisted. When they they reach up to the armpits, yeah, <laughs> yes. Was every girl's ass in the 80s to her mid back? <laughs> I do believe they were. I... Uh, but I mean, that also brings up another thing. As I was watching when she's seducing Archie, I got to thinking of something Robin Williams said in one of his bits that men were given a brain and a penis but not enough blood to run both at the same time because if I were in his place I'd be I'd be really suspicious. Yeah. Why is she coming on to me now? Yeah. Come over and fuck me at the mortuary. But exactly. I thought yeah, so I thought she was what that's happened to trying to pull else. a gag on him but yet she went way farther than yeah. Like so that doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah. I almost it's got the, the feeling 80s. that, that <laughs> I was I got the feeling that she kind of liked him, but because of her friend, she kind of pretended not. Right, but the movie didn't that, tell us any yeah. of that. No, yeah. at all. Yeah, I thought she was going to play this prank on him, and then she's just out of the gates, just like way more doing. <laughs> just didn't. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, yeah, because in the end, when the whole wood chipper scene happened, she was even fighting with the other guy. Right. It, it was like she was trying to save him, but it's like, mm-hmm. was she trying to save him, or did she want to put him in the chipper himself or herself? Oh yeah, I just always assumed she wanted to put him in the chipper. Yeah, mm. I mean that's true love right there. <laughs> <laughs> and and fucking Archie, he's got this grease monkey girl that you know he clearly there's a, there's some um, tension there, and he's just over here trying to fuck the blonde, and I'm like, dude, you know you got yeah. this. Uh, this girl can change a tire. What are you doing? Yeah, you got this mechanic over yeah. here. I, I know she's got a little grease on her face, but you're not fooling any of us. And she's it's called lube. And she yeah. was called lube. <laughs> uh, and she was cute too. But like, what does everybody think of her acting? Uh, subpar, maybe. I just, not not the best. I just don't know. And I I've gotten to the point now where I don't like talking about acting anymore when it comes to movies but her i can't decide if her performance was by choice or or she's just not good of an actress but and i rec and like i recognized her voice more than anything else and so i had to look her up she is the like um prom girl that blows up her pearls in the microwave and pump up the volume 
Oh, of course. I, yep. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I, know that. Yeah. I was going to ask if she'd been in anything else because I was watching it going, she kind of looks familiar, but I, mean, I hadn't seen that movie you just mentioned. Well, Pump Up the Volume? Oh, man. She, so she did quite a bit of stuff, but as soon as I saw Pump Up the Volume, I'm like, that's where I recognized yep. her from. So, And, and yes, you guys wouldn't? Yeah. So, yeah. Um,. I will say that she fooled me in the end. I thought she was actually dead. Well, yeah. Well, they kind of cheated, right? They had her in one shot with some pale makeup on, and then the next <coughs> shot, that makeup's gone. <laughs> right. It's yeah. just one of those. It's like one more final, like, what the fuck are they trying to do yeah. here in a moment? <laughs> Psych. That that scene sort of sums up the, the tone of the movie. It's like... It sums up the entire movie. Yeah. yeah. Clunky. <laughs> So I don't know. Um, I don't know, Tad. Did you really say what you thought of the movie? I don't know if I got. I thought it was. Uh, I don't know, man. I actually I didn't hate this one. It, it wasn't. It's not a good movie by any means, but uh, something in there was fun. And like I said, on paper, it sounds way cooler than it actually is. But you know, it beats the other nightlife that I watched. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I also which, like, now, which now, the what other nightlife oh. at a museum of Mexico City arrives a perfectly conservative, conser, cons, 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 conservated mummy. Yeah, this it, it is a really bad IMDb description, but um, it's basically about like a vampire who comes back and search for his love, but finds another woman. Um, if you want to watch that one, it's on YouTube. I don't suggest it. <laughs> so this nightlife, you know, maybe in comparison, sort of like Derek when he watched it after uh, the Phantom of the Opera. Man, this one was a lot of fun. This this might have been my sort of favorite of the group too. Not oh. not the best made by any means, but um, the least. I mean, it's not a chore to watch. It's, it's so stupid fun, and it's, it doesn't take any. You really have to pay attention. There's nothing. It's great. I could. Uh, pop it in and watch it you know it's it's light and it's not a thinker and i i love thinkers and i like you know well-made movies obviously but uh maybe it just hit me in the right spot on this episode because some of the other ones were a bit of a chore to get through and this one wasn't i felt like this flew by pretty fast there was you know hot chicks zombies uh stupid jokes you know, it, it's clunky as hell. It uh, definitely feels like something that would be submitted to a film festival, but uh, it, it's 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 not bad. It's I don't know. I I had I could watch it again. Yeah, I I didn't hate this movie. It's entertaining in its own way. Totally. Cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean. And I think may, I, I kind of thought maybe some of it was nostalgia, but uh, I mean I, un- I I so recognize the problems with this movie, but I still have fun with it. And the thing is, it's like being more knowledgeable nowadays. I, I can remember back in the day where this movie I liked it at the time, but something seemed off about it. But now that I'm more knowledgeable about how to make a movie and whatnot, um, I can easily recognize that. So it kind of solved like a. 20-year mystery for me. And also, this movie has um, uh, Anthony Geary in it, who, uh, he played that uh, that guy that was trying to take the, uh, the the Grease Monkey girl off to 
you know, um, no. working on race cars or whatever, and then he turned out yeah. to be a big jerk. And Anthony Geary, you probably all know him as Luke from General Hospital, but totally. he, but he <laughs> was he was Philo in UHF, so. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And he looks no. more like Philo in UHF with the white crazy hair than than he did Luke from General Hospital. Yeah. I I did not recognize him. UHF's one of my favorite movies. Nice. Me too. This movie also Me three. has Mark Pellegrino in it, who was he was on uh Supernatural as well, plays oh, okay. Lucifer and he does he's a popular actor nowadays. He yeah, was he, he was, was just like a buddy. One of the four he, bad guys. Yeah, he was the one I was talking about that was the uh ex husband in Dexter. Oh right, right. Uh, I just when you tell me about this when you describe the plot, you know, like these four snobby bad guys are uh, even on the back of the BHS box it says in the first sentence are suddenly killed in an auto accident. It's it's more than an hour into the movie before they Yeah. Die. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it that goes should, on that for a while. Way earlier. Yeah. <laughs> and then to get to be an hour in and then like you said just not it just happened. Yeah. It we, feels it feels like two movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. can say that. Yeah. That last half hour should have been the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I also appreciate it for doing something different with the zombie genre. I mean, it wasn't a mm-hmm. full-on zombie outbreak. It wasn't like a cemetery yep. of zombies crawling out of the grave. There, people didn't get infected. It was just these It had more of a four, yeah, Return four of the Living Dead vibe to me. Yeah, I'm a sorry, little bit like kind of unstoppable. Like an old EC comics kind of yeah. kind of story. Oh yeah, that's a, lot a good of potential. Comparison. Yeah, for sure. It's all right. Now, was I the only one when he was still yes. at the mortuary? I thought that maybe some of the other bodies had come back as well because they were just everywhere all at once. Like he'd lock them outside, and then all of a sudden he'd look through a door and they were through that door. I think that was just poor editing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just poor movieing. <laughs> it was one bolt of lightning, and then suddenly they were back. That's it. Well, it takes, man. That's yep. all it took for uh, Jason to come back but, in part six. But we so. didn't see the lightning hit them or anything. We just saw a bolt of lightning in the storm of the sky. Okay. But and then we suddenly... did hear about okay. the chemical truck that they ran into. You know what my favorite character in this movie was, and I was legitimately sad to see him die in this movie. Spoiler alert: the uh, the mechanic that worked on the um, refrigerating system for the yeah, because oh, yeah. he's like the only character other than the the grease monkey girl that's not a jerk to our main character. He's like yeah. really nice to the kid, you know, like. You know, offered drink to you know drink beers with them and whatnot. Offering to give him a ride home when it was raining out, and so yeah. But but he was a jerk to him right before he died. Oh, he called him a pussy. But other mm-hmm. than that, like you know, that was, I don't that think was it was just mean to make spirited. Him give him a backbone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I still like the guy, and that guy's a character actor that's done a billion things too. So. All right, so our last film for discussion tonight 
Um, I had to include an Italian film. Just had to. Um, the Church. Woo! Directed by Michel Siova. Siovi? I never know. And I hear it pronounced a thousand Michelle different ways. Michelle Okay. That's how Brian said it last. Oh, you pay attention. Yeah. Michelle nice. Siovi. So, yeah. So, basically, um, this uh, old Gothic church is built over this mass grave. Um. And there's, like, weird stuff that goes on when they find this, like, old scroll or whatever. And then there's, like, demons and a big Satan monster that fucks a girl on a slab. And yeah, he does. Typical <laughs> Italian nonsense continues. That's all you're getting for a plot summary for this, from <laughs> this one from me. So, I don't know what happened. <laughs> this one reeked of Dario Argento. Oh yeah, it's very Argento. This is what I talked about when we talked about demons. This is, comes from that era where Dario Argento was producing films, and those films, all done by different directors, but has a massive feel of an Argento film to them, with like crazy camera angles, outrageous lighting. Um, and and, uh, and he was not only was he one of the producers, but he was or the the producer of the film, but he also was one of the writers. Mm-hmm. So so every every one of the kills, I was like, yep, yep, that's like when the guy comes running through with the piece of spiked fence. That was definitely it. Was like, yeah, that was Argento right there. Yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely for sure. And um, but yeah. Something happened to me through the course of the history of this movie. I used to love this movie. Whoa. But I don't know if it holds up for me. What's happening here? I don't know. I think I need to um, What's happening? take a couple days and just go through an Italian movie marathon because I feel, I feel really weird right now. Like I don't want to lose my, my Italian horror movie street cred by knocking the church, but... I don't know. It didn't hold up to for me. I just it wasn't the movie I remembered last last time I watched it. Now it's been probably about ten fifteen years since I've seen this movie. So, but yeah, I don't know. Huh? I don't know. Help me out, guys. Get me back on track. Huh? Well, but, well, for me, I've only seen one Dario Argento directed movie, Inferno, and compared to that one, this one made more sense. This one actually, to me, had a plot. Okay. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Um, but, I mean, like, the cinematography and the art direction were really cool. Uh, the monster at the end was really cool, too. Oh, yeah. That demon creature thing is awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. When I was watching it, the prologue gave me a really big Monty Python and the Holy Grail vibe. <laughs> I, oh, I, I agree was, with that. I was, yeah. was recycling left and right. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think of that. But now that you say it, I'll probably never be able to unsee it. Yeah, it's like she's a witch. How do you know she is a witch? Yeah, they just they just need to get rid of the horses and give them coconuts, and then it would right. Be... Yeah. 
I mean, and that where the coven was, that looked like where that killer bunny lived. <laughs> well, right off the bat, the hunchback that shows the night where, where, um, where the witch is. I swear to God, I had to do a double take because I totally thought it was, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Brazil director. Just say it, I can't do it. Oh. The American Monty Python guy, the guy who did all their animation. Uh, Terry, Terry Gilliam. Gilliam. Terry Gilliam. I swear to God, I thought it was Terry Gilliam. He lo- it, that, that actor looked just like Terry Gilliam straight out of... Uh, Mighty Python, Quest of the Holy Grail. Yeah, I, uh... I mean, this is an Italian horror movie. It's like... I feel like no matter how much I pay attention or try to figure it out, it's a, um... Lost Cause. (laughs) Just just sit sit back... Just sit back and enjoy the, uh, bloodshed and weirdness of it. And that's what I got. And I don't know. I think maybe part of my problem is um, wrong circumstance under watching it. But I think my biggest problem with this movie, and again, I think it's probably because I'm just, I just, I know that it was supposed to be originally Demons Three, so I can't stop comparing it to the Demons movies. But it, it, it just for an especially for, for an Italian horror film, it takes a while to get going. Mm-hmm. And that's probably yeah. my biggest complaint. Like usually Italian horror films, they just don't fuck around; they just get straight to the punch. But this one, this one had a lot going on before we got to any of the good stuff. So, yeah, I agree with that too. It's almost like nightlife in that way that that last half hour should have been the movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and uh, and that's what Demons is. <laughs> Demons true. is the last half hour of the church. But for the whole ninety minutes, okay. <laughs> so, because demons is just just nonstop action from the get go. So, um, so this one just kind of drug on for me longer than I remembered it. I was on the fence for the with this movie up until the old couple. They made it for me. <laughs> the old lady that kept saying groovy. and uh then led her husband up to ring the bell and they cut away and come back and out of nowhere she's ringing the fucking bell with his severed head yeah and oh it was it was crazy but it it made me laugh so hard that that part was amazing um but yeah, I I I think I liked this movie, but I'm with Tad on the fact that like I I tried to understand it, but I don't know if I did. Well, and that's the thing. But when right? did you ever think that you needed to dis- to understand a Italian film? Does this mean don't go you, watch any of them? You're directing that no, directly no. to me, right? Uh, Mike. Yeah, he's directing that to me. Oh. Because he's staring me down. And I'm not even <laughs> complaining really about the nonsense of this movie. I think my biggest complaint is for an Italian horror film, it takes forever to get there. You know? Because, um, yeah, like, that's most Italian horror films. And right. part of what I love about Italian horror films and why so, I why Italian 
cinema gets that hall pass, but other films do not for me. It is right. a mystery that I can't even describe. I can't even years. understand. Okay, but there's something about probably because Italian films just go so off the wall. They just they throw everything at the wall, um, and they they're just more concerned about the uh, the visual than the actual story. That I that I can buy into that. But when you give me like um, some kind of American art film that that says it's a horror movie, so the and visuals and cinematography of the first half didn't do it for you in this movie. Yeah. Oh man, the medieval scene, freaking gold, and that stood up. I remember that as being some of my favorite stuff ever. You know, watching this movie before, and it still held up for me. But. Uh, <clears throat> You know, that horse just kicking that head every time it cuts oh. away to the horse. Yeah. Just wait for that fucking horse to trip on that severed head. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. And, again, I think I, I maybe I just I just watched it in the wrong mental state. The mental state of I've got to watch this for the show and, like, not not taking it for its face value, maybe. I don't know. Huh. Because the director, and I'm just going to refer to him as the director, because people laugh at me every time I try to say his name. Um, I love his other stuff, like uh, Stage Fright is is one of the greatest like slasher films that's not made in America, that's ever made. Um, Cemetery Man, hello. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Heck yeah. And his documentary that he did, uh, Dario Gento's worlds of horror is like to me one of the best docs about a filmmaker ever so i like this guy's work and i always put the church up there with those other three films um now the sect come on you can even admit the sect was kind of a turd right you remember that one yeah and he's nodding for people out there listening uh, yeah, but the new Blu-ray it makes it tempted me to want to get it. I kind of want to get it there, too, because yeah. we just did that one viewing, and it was late at night, and I don't know, maybe. See, those watching circumstances are an always. important role in the films. Always, always, and that should always be a disclaimer. That should be a disclaimer anytime anybody is critiquing a movie, you know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else I'm trying to say. Didn't hold up this time, but... Wow. I'm not saying I hated it, but I remember liking it way more. The world is turning. What's that? I know. I remember when we were talking before we watched them, we were like talking about how excited we were and how much we love the church, and my mind is being blown right now. Yeah. Like I said, you think you know somebody, and... I know. I'm kind of. I'm kind of worried. And they worried. stopped liking all Italian films. Don't go there. That's <laughs> scaring me when you make those statements. I'm gonna have to watch some Doctor Book Butcher MD to get back on track. You might have to. Might have to eat some spaghetti or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch the church again. I'll just chalk it up as like just a bad, a bad viewing experience more than anything else, but. So you guys continue. I'm, I should probably stay out of this one. Jason, what are your thoughts on the church? All the same as uh, not yours. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying I hated it. It's yeah, you keep saying that. Oh, whatever. You keep saying the hate word. Uh, the phrase of I'm 
not saying I'm hating. I thought it was better this time than all other viewings. I just right. I just was looking them down when I said that too. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. I, thought, I mean, I did again. I like y'all said. I, you don't expect to understand necessarily what the hell's going on, or you just you just hang on for the ride and you just you just take what they show you and. The fucking winged goat beast is fucking awesome. That, and that elf, that that effect outfit. is flawless. Okay, I yeah. Mean, obviously, it's got to be a guy in a suit, but you don't get those because you know, there's a few close-up shots. I'm like, that's pretty seamless. It's pretty makeup good makeup work there. So totally, but yeah, the movie's fucked and it's weird and it's crazy. What about you, Harley? What do you think? Well, uh, again, this I'm not as well versed in Italian movies. I've seen some of like Barbara Steele stuff and also Inferno, like I said. For uh, but I do have to say, it made me laugh when the the girl or the woman is attacked by the goat guy at her home. She calls the cops, runs out the door, and the cops are there. Yeah. It was like it's like in Looney Tunes when the character orders something. As soon as they put the envelope in the mailbox, there comes the the mailman. <laughs> Here comes the acne postal trader. Yep. I wish I wish they had used Father Gus's archery skills. They introduce his archery skills and they do nothing with it. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I need to get you. Uh some more Italian stuff out there so you can... Yeah. There's yeah. some I would like to see. I have, uh... I have some, uh, stuff I can definitely get you. <laughs> some stuff. Ah, I can... Let's hear about I, this I can get stuff. some stuff, man. Just come follow me around into the back alley. I got some stuff. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not as versed as, uh, Jason or Mike might be, but I can... Uh, you need to see the, the, uh, standards of, you know, Demons and Suspiria... Yeah, opera, opera, some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because if yeah, I guess if you see the church and then you lead up to those other movies, it's probably like okay. Mm-hmm. And one little thing I noticed the the book on by or on Falconetti or by Falconetti, whatever. The, that gargoyle, that's the same gargoyle in the title sequence to the Masters of Horror series. Oh, is it from the same angle? I swear. It's mm. the same gargoyle. Huh. If I'm like the opening credits, yeah, the Mass opening, Lord, yeah. Where I know like, what you're talking yeah. about. I remember those. Even I can, I'm like hearing the theme song in my head yeah. and everything. <laughs> but yeah, I, I yeah, I, I enjoyed watching it. I, I, I did have to stop it, but not because I was getting sick of it. It's because it was late at night and I had to go to bed. Right. So. Yeah. I, I think I watched. This one and all in one city. And there's there's a few I had to take some breaks on. I think Phantom of the Opera. I had to take a break and uh, split it up. But I try to if I can. I try to. But I know that if I'm getting tired, I won't pay as much attention. So I, I want to give it a fair shake. Hmm. Cool. Uh, this whole, this movie also reminded me that. People or groups of people in horror movies that are trying to suppress or hide something evil are really bad at doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, we're going to build a church over this. Should we put like a big thick slab of floor between the pit and 
And the floor? No, nah. we're going to put a basement in. Right? The big-ass cross with a seven-headed goat thing on it, just so people know exactly what that is. If they go in the basement. If they go in, down into the basement. Which, there's no possibility that will ever happen. Yeah. And then rig up an overly elaborate Rube Goldberg machine, just right. in case something goes wrong. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, not a climactic end to the to the <laughs> movies. Everyone's pretty ho hum on it. Yeah. Well, um, a lot of, well, what else is out there? What there's some uh, Dream Child, a, clearly <laughs> better than any of the ones on this list. Other 1989 movies. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess that sort of leads us to shoutouts, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, we'll get there. I just didn't know if there's any honorable mentions that um, anybody wanted to bring up. Anybody wanted to speak passionately about? Um, Probably one of my favorite horror movies of all time and uh, one of my, my earliest memories of watching a horror movie, Pet Cemetery. Hell, yeah. Totally. I, I actually had that playing in the background during the podcast. Oh, that's what that noise was. <laughs> no, I, I had it on mute. <laughs> I'll uh, go with another movie I sort of already mentioned in the What We Watched. Um, I absolutely love The Burbs. If yeah. you, it's not, yes. necessarily a, not necessarily straight up horror, but that's fantastic. Uh, one that I watched recently was Society. Really love that one. Oh, yeah, and that movie's great. And then I'd probably say I'm I'm guilty of this. It's but uh, I, I it's not a guilty pleasure at all. Halloween Five. Fuck yeah! Hell yeah! Yeah, yeah. Love I have that a movie. lot lot of nostalgia for the uh, Halloween Four and Five. So hell yeah! Give, give a shout out to Halloween Five. Show do. Yeah, what, what? it was nice to see one part five that was good come out that come year. Come on! <laughs> <Fuck> <laughs> off. Now he's just. Uh, I don't. I was gonna say I don't think Halloween Five is necessarily good, but I love it. I love it. Yeah, anybody else? What, what about you, Jason? Uh, clearly, it's Elm Street Five. It's my favorite. I would say. Cool. Yep, been defending that one since 1989. <laughs> Apparently, you still have to continue. To I guess. <laughs> Jeez. You, Mike. Oh, me. Oh, there's a lot of good stuff that year. Um, uh, I will say Stepfather Two, even though like that's a fan favorite. Yeah. Even though what it, we watched Stepfather one. one for the show and it didn't hold up, so. Kind of hoping Stepfather 2 still does, but you also got like Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. Um, oh man, trying to think. Um, oh, the horror show. Yep. Which, you know, is known in some countries as House 3, but that one is awesome. It's got Lance Hendrickson in it. It's a actually really cool film, and it's an early K and B effects collaboration film, uh, effects wise. Um, what else was there? 
the director of Necromantic that year he put out The Death King which is a, a pretty bizarre movie. Oh, Cutting Class. Can't forget about Cutting, Cutting Class. class. <laughs> Are you just listing them or you're saying your, your favorites? Um, I'm also going to throw in... Uh, well, these are probably my favorites from that year. Um, but uh, Bud the Chud, Chud 2. I love Bud the Chud. It's so bad. It's awesome. And then there was a uh, J.R. Bookwalter film that was, was pretty cool, too, called Skinned Alive that came out that year, too. So Those are my picks. Anybody else? Uh, Harley, do you have any other picks from 89? Um, Your faves? I've been trying to think, but I, I can't. The only, the only movies I can think of that came out in 89, remember, I was two years old in 1989, so uh, I don't have that nostalgia factor, but uh, the only m- movies I can think of are Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade and Batman. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, then Nobody's going to mention Jason Takes Manhattan. Was that 89? Yeah. Uh, Love it. Nah, no one's gonna Especially the that. part where he punches yeah. the guy's head off. Oh, my God. Love it. <laughs> Mike's eyes rolled to the back of his head. Teleportation, Jason. Yeah. I'll say I uh, I probably rented that one. one that was the mo- one of the most rented Friday the 13th, just because um, it was the one that no one else ever rented, so it was always available. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably true. Okay, um, so let's uh, let's go ahead and take a break, and then when we come back, it'll be segments time. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And it's now time for segments here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. I'm going to start off, as we always do, with some shout-outs! It's time for... Shout-outs! 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 Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Just asked your favorite films. 1989, got a bunch... All around the horn. Up first on Facebook, our pals Nightmare Junkhead. You know those guys. They're going to make a special live show appearance at Halloween and Palooza this year. Woo! Exciting. Very exciting. Um, Those guys are a podcast, if I didn't mention that part. Anyway, (laughs) uh, they said, man, 1989 is a mixed bag, but there are some stone-cold classics in there, including Shocker and Society. You never forget your first shunting. (laughs) That's true. Yep. Uh, Derek Wyrather says, Shocker! Dustin Kretzinger says, Pet Cemetery. Evan Runkle. Evan! You know Evan. 
Yeah, he's the host of All About Movies right here on the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. <laughs> he had some good ones. He says The Fly 2. Underrated. I like oh. it. I really like that one, too. Um, I almost rewatched Chris it. Chris Wallace did the effects, but I want to say he also directed it. I don't know if that's true. Moving on. Vampire's Kiss, he also said. Vampire's Kiss. Oh, um, early Nick Cage movie, yeah. Then we got Joe Nidal. He says, it's a tie for me between... Jason Takes Manhattan and Sleepaway Camp 3 Teenage Wasteland. Yeah! They're pretty much the same movie, though. Unless we can count the burbs, then it's that. And hell yeah, you can hell count Hell yeah, it. you can count the burbs. There is enough homage to horror in that movie that even though it's a comedy and there's nothing really scary, but they still kind of play with some of those, like, horror themes. Dante, man. Throughout the thing. My favorite to this day, and we used to, back in the day when we uh, made our Gore Gang films in high school, we we after we saw the burbs, we did this maneuver all the time, but where they find the human bone in the backyard, and the camera zooms in and out, does that crazy, and nobody ever does, does that in a Hollywood movie, that crazy push in, push out, push in, push out. Yeah, there's so no reason. We, we did that, oh, but it was hilarious in the burbs, but then we did it all the time in our, uh, in our um, high school movies. Up next, we got Brian McNeil says, 976 Evil Freak Show, Pet Cemetery, and Psycho Cop. <laughs> okay, we got a <laughs> for Psycho Cop. Then we got Andrew Moeller, he says, Puppet Master, Deep Star 6, and a oh, personal yeah. fave, too afraid to watch it again in case it doesn't hold up, Warlock. Warlock with uh, Jillian Sands. Yeah. I used Aren't to you a big fan? Yeah. love that movie. I thought I, I thought you were. But yeah. I don't know. I'm, I've been scared to go back. You know, just in case. Same reason, right? The scared's yeah. not going to hold mm-hmm. up. Uh, then we got Andrew Wassum. Andrew says he's Wassum. Yes, he is. We might be talking to him soon. I mm-hmm. know. That's right. Uh, he says, "Shocker, Horace Pinker for the win." Uh, Mike Reeb, you've heard of him. He's been uh, on the show. Yeah. Love Mike Reeb. Mike Reeb says Warlock, Leviathan, of course. Cutting class, of course. He champions cutting class. <laughs> I'll never. I, I replay his giggling about telling us about that movie when he was on that episode. <laughs> and Monty says just rewatched Stepfather Two. Love it. And we got Taylor. Augsburger, he says Pet Cemetery, and we got Kara, how do you say it, Ted? Ewinger. That's what I thought, Ewinger. She said Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Although not a fave of many Halloween fans, I love Daniel Harris's character. There are a couple awesome scenes in this one. Well, Ted and I agree, Kara. Damn right. So good. Uh, yeah. Goodbye. Uh, as we were going through, I thought of a movie that no one was talking about. Tremors came out in 89. Holy shit. How did we miss that one? Whoa. No love shit. me some Tremors. I love Tremors. Huh. And we also got Megan Walker. Uh, uh, she says a horror comedy, The Burbs, because it's my favorite movie ever. It's awesome. So much love for The Burbs. I know. Isn't that great? And then we got... 
Wendy Patrick Ben says, Pet Cemetery scared the crap out of me back in the day. I always thought of Gage Creed coming after me with the scalpel. Oh, the Achilles slice is one of the worst moments. It's so hard that, to watch. That made me cringe. <laughs> yeah. Did I ever tell the story about how, like, oh God. one of my one of my close friends in <laughs> high school, we we called him Puke Bag. He had a nephew that was this. <laughs> it's a term of endearment, correct? Oh, oh yeah. Um, he had a uh, he had a nephew that was the spitting image of Gage at that age, and we used to make his sister so pissed off at us because we would always call him Gage. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd always hand him a scalpel and he'd run around. Yeah. And then, like, we had to stop doing that when, um, I guess his sister was watching Pet Cemetery, and Gage walks into the room and sees little Gage on the, in the movie and points at it and goes, That's me! Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we kind of got in big trouble, so. Awesome. Yeah, it was. I was reading a, a small funny theory on Twitter. Someone mentioned um, it'd be interesting if Stephen King wrote a story where they buried Cujo in Pet oh. Cemetery, oh. and he came back. He came back to life as a nice, sweet dog, and then they just <laughs> called it Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim Letterer says. Parents, Tim Lennerer, you know Tim Lennerer. Oh yeah, I know Tim. What's up, Tim? <laughs> yeah, Parents. That's a good film. It's a, with Randy Quaid. Um, really cool movie. Man, I haven't seen that in years. Yeah. Um, he says, "Parents, a movie about a child learning that his parents are murderous cannibals, it is a bleak little treat that never really found an audience." It was the directorial debut of character actor all-star Bob Balaban, oh. which means you can sing his name like a Beach Boy song. Bob, 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 Balaban. <laughs> and he goes on, and it, he, he wrote out the whole I verse. See, and, I, see that. I, I wanted um, to sing it, but I just You need to. You're wearing church of shout-outs. Yeah, but there's, there's another part that brings you into it. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Tim. Uh, sorry I chickened out, but that will be stuck in my head the rest of the night, probably. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and be sure to listen to his podcast, Two Weirdos, Fiasco Brothers. Mm hmm. Anyway, Fiasco P- Brothers. The PFPN. On the PFPN. Uh, then we got Jack Christensen. He's cool because he leaves voicemails. Yeah, he does. He says, Pet Cemetery, and if we're allowing horror comedy, that's a bit light on the horror. The Burbs is one of my all-time favorite movies. Lots of love for The Burbs. It's yeah, awesome. because it freaking rules. Up next, we got this kid, uh, Brian Clark. Who? Brian Clark. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. I miss you, buddy. We miss you. He says, a fine vintage for horror. Pet Cemetery is not only my favorite Stephen King novel, but my favorite film adaptation of his work. Uh, then he says, uh, make Mike say it. Michelle Soavi. <laughs> <laughs> he says, make Mike say it. So he already knew that Mich- yep. it was bad. Michelle Soavi. That's why Brian needed to be on the I show to, to straighten me out on, you do all the on this viewing of the church. Anyway... He released The Church. Uh, Deep Star Six and Leviathan are some of the best monster movies of the decade. 
J.R. Bookwalter's Insanely Ambitious and Imaginative, The Dead Next Door. Oh, I forgot about Dead Next Door, yeah. Rocked video store shelves across the country. Fabrizio de Angelis's Profoundly Stupid Jaws Knockoff, Killer Crocodile is a blast. Killer Crocodile is fun. But perhaps my favorite horror flick from 1989 is the inimitable Dan Haggerty starring masterpiece Elves. Elves! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Thank you, Brian. You, you had me at Dan Haggerty. Uh-huh. And then John George says, Toxie 2 and 3. Oh, nice. That was 89? Sweet. I don't remember that. And then over on the Twitter, we got HNN Nightmares at HNN Nightmares says, Friday 13th Part 8, Halloween 5, Pet Cemetery, Puppet Master. Oh, yeah, that was, I almost put that on the list. And yeah. Shocker. Shocker! Thanks, guys. Shaka! Then we got Matt Pike at Quad City Hawkeye says, even though Jason doesn't actually get to Manhattan until the end, it's Jason takes Manhattan. Jason rides a boat. All right. And then last on Twitter, CadaverCast at Cadaver underscore cast says, much love here for Warlock. And put it in all caps, so it's... Oh. Uh, Brian Usna's Society... And Joe Dante's horror-ish comedy, The Burbs. The Burbs. So good. And guess what? We even got stuff over on Instagram. Damn! On Instagram, we got Scary Gary KC. Scary Gary! He says, I mean, Clown House and Shocker are some of my faves, but Pet Cemetery wins. One, it's creepy as fuck. Two, it was all I wanted to see for my eighth birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, mom and dad didn't disappoint taking little scary Gary to see it on the big screen. <laughs> awesome. And then, I wonder what scary Gary was like at eight years old. That's he still had the eyebrows of a <laughs> seventy-year-old. <laughs> we got uh, rainbows in horror movies. It's uh, two girls with no filter talking about horror movies and oddities, strange and unusual. Their own podcast. At uh, on Instagram, R A H M podcast, they said Pet Cemetery and Dead Calm, Creepy Kid and Old School Nicole Kidman. Yes, please. Oh, yeah, we did, we did Dead Calm on the show. Well, yeah, that's yeah. fucking good. It was good. Dead Calm was awesome. Ah, shit. And then, uh, so you can always leave us a comment Facebook, Twitter, and the Instagram, but you can also call us at our number, our hotline, if you will, and leave us a voicemail. We'll play your voicemail on the show. And you can call that number at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. And that's shout-outs. But you know what else would be cool? What? Well, there's this other segment that uh, uh, it's really the most popular segment. <laughs> that's ever been segmented i'm rambling it's insane specs <laughs> i miss brian yeah, me too all right so i can't remember if i covered um the original one of these on this show i'm going to talk about 
Um, what probably a lot of horror fans don't even know exists, but it's um, Gorgon Video Magazine Volume 2. I know, right? So I can't remember if I ever covered the first Gorgong video magazine on Saints Picks. I think I have. Um, and it was also originally released in 1989. Uh, but first, to just give you a little backstory here. Gorgong Video was a video dis uh, distribution label in the 80s. Best known for releasing the Faces of Death films and, of course, Death Spa. Uh, they also had one of the coolest logos in video label history with a snake-headed Medusa in between the red and orange words Gorgon and Video. Uh, they didn't release a ton of titles, but they were, they were strictly dedicated to horror. Uh, in 1989, they released Gorgon Video Magazine, a compendium of horror news, interviews, reviews, and, and more covering many areas of horror, and it was all hosted by Michael Berryman. I used to have this tape... I still have this tape, I think, and it was awesome. I watched the crap out of this. I wore that tape out back in the day. Um, I I was always under the impression that this is going to be a series, the Gorgon Video Magazine series. And I waited, and I waited for the next volume to happen, but it never came out. Cut to last week, when I was surfing through YouTube trying to find weird and obscure films to review for Insane's Picks, I came across Gorgon Video Magazine Volume 2. I was like, what the what? I quickly looked to find any information on it, and I couldn't find a, a damn thing on it. So I'm like, all right, let's see what this is. I hit play, and I assume, um, I assume this video was never released. Uh, since it says screener copy along the bottom of the screen throughout the whole thing. Um, and the fact that I couldn't find any information on it, and I never saw this released, so I'm wondering if they, if this just got scrapped before it ever um, finally went to, uh, to press or whatever. Uh, it was, but watching it, it was amazing jump back to the time of the late 80s. Again, it's hosted by Michael Berryman. Uh, this time... This time around, they try to stick to far more off-mainstream um, when covering different parts of horror. Uh, but this time it feels like there's much more of a stretch in some of their segments. Um, they, there's everything in this one from an interview with Stuart Gordon uh, on the location of Bride of the Reanimator to an interview with Penn and Teller. Um, and uh, coverage of an anniversary of Zap Comics at some underground comic book shop in New York. All that stuff is cool, and I was really into all of it, but is it all horror? Uh, my favorite part was an interview with Screaming Mad George, where he talks about everything from his music to his art and his effects work, and showing off a lot of his stuff around his workshop. Freaking awesome. Um, there's fun and cheap. Uh, there's a there's this fun and cheap seg cheap segments on on how to make your own blood, and it's all set up like a cooking show, and then it gets into the like the last ten minutes, where it kind of gets a little weird, and it cuts to this couple making out in a drive-in, and then they start addressing the camera and they're talking about different classic black and white films, 
And then all of that just ends up being a really long commercial for Sinister Cinema, which if you don't know what Sinister Cinema was, um, or is, I don't know if they're still around, I doubt it, but it was a very popular mail-order VHS company back in the day. You could get their like newspaper print catalogs in the mail, and you could order um, uh, videotapes to have shipped to your home. And they covered a lot more classic stuff, stuff from the silent... Hill, silent, uh, silent era all the way up to like um like the uh, 70s and, and such so and they had a lot of obscure stuff that you just couldn't find in your um, local video store <clears throat> now is it as just as much fun as the first video um yeah i think so although i the editing in the first one i mean it's chaotic and crazy and keeps with the tone of the whole tape uh, but this one's even more hyper-crazy, and oftentimes kind of ruins some of the segments. Uh, like during the Penn & Teller interview, it's kind of all over the spectrum. It starts off talking to Penn & Teller in, Penn in, in Penn's apartment, then it cuts to like a shot of like Teller running around the apartment, then it cuts to like a shot from um, one of their comic their one of their performances at comic relief but doesn't even show all of it it shows like maybe like uh, 30 seconds of it then it cuts to back to uh, Penn talking about their movie Penn and Teller get killed cutting to a scene from Penn and Teller get killed and it's just kind of all over the spectrum editing wise and it's quite jarring also in these tapes there's this mullet wearing guy in sunglasses doing movie reviews uh, he's in the first one and he's really dry and obviously sounds ultra-red. Like, he's everything he's saying is very, very scripted. Uh, he's back in this one, and he's even worse. Uh, even though he's wearing his sunglasses, you could still tell he's reading from a script, which is just to his, just to his right on his desk. Um, the overall production value feels lower, and I'm not just saying that because it's some shitty VHS rip on YouTube. It just feels like the overall production value of this tape... Um, is a lot less. Uh, case in point, um, uh, every time Michael Berryman uh, is talking, and when he's on camera, they have a green screen going on, they're showing video clips of different movies behind him. Um, and this time around, it feels like they were showing the same three or four shots from Reanimator over and over and over again every time Michael Berryman was on. So it's as if they couldn't afford more clips to show. But despite all that, this, uh, damn, this is cool, and it's a lot of fun. It sure beats reading a magazine, so I say check it out, Gorgang Video Magazine Volume 2. You can check it out for free right on YouTube. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's real. Yeah, it's real, but again, I don't think it's ever been released. So be. how, whoever posted this got a copy of it, <laughs> who knows, I don't know. I wonder, because again, it said screener copy at the bottom, so I wonder if this is something they sent out sent out screeners to video stores to order, but then, like, it just never, you know, they just never, that's as far as it got, I guess. But, whatever, it's still, they're awesome. But that's it. That's it for this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Um, I want to thank every uh, all you um, attackers on the show there for being on but a very special thanks to to Harley Ramsey for joining us thank you, thank uh, you for having me yeah no problem, if you want to uh, 
uh, tell the people a little bit more about you and 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 how to find you. Uh, I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash Harley Ramsey. I usually post updates on uh, where I'll be or books that I've published. Uh, I will be on September 1st. Me and a couple other local writers will be participating in what is known as uh, Bloodbath on Jefferson, where we're given a story prompt and each of us write our own stories based on that and it has been voted for who's the best and and uh, i will also be selling books at uh geektastic down here as well on september 15th (laughs) then other than that you can find my books on lulu.com just type in harley ramsey into the search engine there's uh two Print books and the rest are all short stories that are on a like for digital like your uh, ebooks. Excellent, awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us, Harley. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun. So, so yeah. So until next time out there in podcast land, thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you again soon on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of? Wow. Attack of the Killer.